down to business. I got my wild cherry dye Pepsi. And uh, I got my blackjack gum here. And I got that feeling. Mm. Yeah, that familiar feeling that something rank is going down out there. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you, I make you laugh, I'm here to fucking amuse you. How the fuck am I funny? What the fuck is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. Don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. Come out to the coast and get together, have a few laughs. Oh, you. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. You ever seen a grown man naked? I'm your huckleberry. My advice to you is to start drinking heavily. Put that coffee down. Well, then this calls for the old Billy Barule. That's a huge bitch! The royal penis is clean, your highness. Hey, where are the white women at? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's over, Johnny. It's over! They are Hawk and Animal, the Legion of Doom. I'm certain you heard the comments earlier on from the men that are going to be challenging you tonight for these titles. Power and Glory, Paul Roma and the Mighty Hercules Animal. That's right, Gene! Hawk and I are back there watching the monitor, and we can't help overhearing you two little geeks! You tell us we don't deserve to be champions! You tell us you're going to show us where the power and who is the glory! How do you think we got to be world champions? By beating nobodies? We've beaten the best that the World Wrestling Federation has to offer. And we're going to be champions for a long, long time. Right, Hawk? What about it, Hawk? Swelling of the fluid sac surrounding the brain. Contusions. Inner bleeding. These are the things that our dreams are made of. Power and glory. And you'll soon to be renamed Sour and Glory. Because when we get done with you, your mother won't accept the looks that you have been thrown about the ring from one end to the other right here in London. You know, gentlemen, aside from your title defense, I don't know if I, with the magnitude of this title defense, I don't know if I should touch on it, but it's conceivable the two of you are going to be involved in the gigantic battle royal at the end of the night. Now, I tried to ask a couple of people earlier on what would happen, say, for instance, if Hawk and Animal, if you were to be the final two men in the ring at the end of the battle royal, how would, how would things and shake just up? Just one way to sum that up, Mean Gene. Huck and I, ever since we were little punk kids in Chicago, we've been against the odds all our life. 
and we've proven just the way a lot of people out there have proven that you can be something. And now we're the WWF World Tag Team Champions. And after we beat you, Power of Glory, we're coming after that battle royal because there's nothing better than the Legion of Doom lights is a good gang fight, right, Hawk? Thank you very much, gentlemen. They are the Legion of Doom, Animal, and Hawk. Their title defense tonight is against Power and Glory, and it all happens here at Royal Albert Hall. Speaking of that, let's get back outside to my close friends and colleagues, the Weasel and you, Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> It pretty much just repeats from there. Anyway, what is going on, everybody? It is Saturday. It is late night. And this is the Hollywood Hangout. We appreciate y'all joining us out there, especially the chat room, joining us late live. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, I am Boxman, and across from me is... Old Double A. What's going on, Box? What's going on, chat? Man, that was... uh... Man, talk about what a rush. That, That, man, I miss promos like that, man. What the cocaine fuel ones? Awesome. I miss miss them too. Steroids and cocaine and just everything mixed together, all the adrenaline and 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 I miss it, dude. I really do. I love promos like that. I want them back again. I do. And dude, I I swear to God, man, you could literally tell who did a fresh line (laughs) right before right before the red light went on. Well, (laughs) (laughs) like like Jesus Christ, like. Name them: Hogan, Piper, fucking World Warrior Hulk. You could just tell, like, <laughs> all right, Hulk, we need you. All right, give me a second. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you could just tell. Well, God damn, that was fucking just un- like, like I said, an amazing promo. Um, obviously, we are doing. If you haven't figured it out by now, we're doing the Road Warriors, the Life and Death, Death. Life and death. What the fuck am I talking about? Life and death of the of uh, wrestling's most dominant tag team. This was in 2005 they did this. Um, so this was uh, only two years after we lost Hawk or uh, Michael Hegstrand, uh, who this is obviously dedicated to. Um, so, yeah, just a short two years after that, man. Yeah, man. And. A lot of, a lot of arguments could be made about this one was better than this. But to me, you can't, it's no debate. No debating. The Road Warriors are the greatest tag team of them all. I don't, I don't, I think that point is like inarguable. I really do. They were literally the Hulk Hogan of their division. You don't get any bigger in wrestling what the Road Warriors were at their absolute peak. Right. Yeah, dude. Oh, oh, and that's mentioned a few times in this video. Um, Full disclosure, I got a lot of clips. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but I sort of made a run sheet, and I think we're going to actually get through this a little quicker than everyone's uh, sitting there going, oh, my God, a lot of clips. I promise you, I think it's going to be a little quicker than you think. Um, real quick, let's go ahead and do the shout-outs. What do you say, Anthony? Yes, sir. All right, let's start with the usual, the wrestling OD, the wrestling overdose. Good God, that man should be a fortune teller for naming his show that. Uh, 
That's a, that's Shaheen over there wrestling overdose. Check him out. Nuclear Heat Graphics. Check him out at nuclearheatshop.com. Don't forget to check out Wrestling's High Marks over there on YouTube. Good people over there. Always got to give a shout out to Bobby Anthem and Bobby Blades on the Inhuman Experience. And Bobby uh, Anthem over there searching for his lost soul still. I'm glad he's still searching. Hope he finds it, but, you know, hope part of it lets him still do the, the show. Anyway, uh, we're going to go on now to uh, Eric, Doug, and Doug's brother Daniel. They're on the Unscripted Wrestling. That is on the Philly Sports Passion feed, and that's where you can find all that. You know where to find all that. Apple, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere like that. Um, also, shout out to Stephen Milan. Like I said, always, uh, you know, down to share the shows. Really appreciate that. Check him out on letterboxd.com slash Stephen Milan. Dude's up to almost 6,000 movie reviews, and I don't know how I would even type out a whole review, so Jesus. Uh, check out Wrestling Umbrella and check out Hollywood Hangout right there. Two, two, uh, one group and one page you should both check out. Check out the Mark Report Tuesdays at 6.30 in the morning. What the hell? You're awake. Let's do that. And uh, that's good enough for now. Let's fucking get into this shit, man. I'm pumped for this. Yes, sir, man. Like, I don't know, man. At certain times when we hop on Skype for this shit where I'm just like, yeah, I like doing the show, don't get me wrong, but there are certain episodes that I'm like extra pumped for, and this is one of them. I'm literally yeah. fresh off of watching uh, the documentary, mm-hmm. hadn't seen it in a few years, and man, it brought back a lot of memories, a lot of good memories, and really reminded me of what made me uh, a fan of pro wrestling. Because uh, believe it or not, the Road Warriors were actually on the first wrestling show I ever saw. Really? So, so yes, this is uh, pretty uh, sentimental for me. Well... Definitely one of my favorite. Obviously, I've said a ton of times on the wrestling show. Um, I'm a huge fan of tag team wrestling. Rock and Roll Express. I'll, I'll fucking my absolute favorites when I was a kid. Um, Road Warriors, my second favorites when I was a kid. I thought these guys were badass motherfuckers. Turns out they really were. But um, I always thought they were. That was just one thing I loved. Um, you know, Midnight Express, who they go over in here. Um, just, I loved tag team wrestling. I just loved it. Most of, mostly, I'm, I'm not going to lie. What mostly drew me was rock and roll express, midnight express. That feud drew me to tag team wrestling. But, um, when these guys came out, I was always like, <gasps> whoa, you know, especially as a little yeah. kid. Yeah. I, I think edge pretty much summed up a lot of people that came up during that time period. What make, what drew you to the road warriors was the fact that every time you saw them come to the ring, you felt like you were going to see a decapitation. You literally felt like you were going to see somebody die in the ring. Yep. <laughs> because uh-huh. they did their shit look snug. It was it was probably because it was, uh-huh. and they laid their shit in. <laughs> like good lord, like they they weren't fancy. They were pretty cut and dry. But man, what they did was uh impactful. Yeah. Yeah, and even Edge says. He always thought someone was going to get decapitated in the ring. And with that fucking, you know, and there was always talk, you know, once the old dirt sheets came out that, um, you know, that doomsday device hurt a lot of guys because there really was no way to fall right because they laid that shit in and didn't let you fall the way you should. Yeah. Um, I think one of the more famous or infamous ones was against, of all people, Henry Godwin. Uh, I don't know if you remember. They had a match on, um, I think it was Shotgun Saturday Night. Mm. And uh, it's probably still on YouTube. And 
the way he landed, he broke his neck off of the uh, Doomsday device. And the way he landed was, ugh. If you felt like you literally, you literally could see the point where his neck broke. Cause he landed all wrong. Cause, uh, you remember what the guy ones looked like. These were big dudes. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he landed all wrong. You could literally see, you could tell the point where he, his neck would have just went snap. And it wasn't a pretty sight. Wow. Yeah. I mean, obviously he landed wrong if his neck broke. That, that, you know, that's par for the course, Anthony. Just saying. On the whole, yeah. Yeah. You mean on the whole? On the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. On, on the whole, yeah. it's uh, some. <laughs> it's a given, you know. At the end of the day, at the end of the day. Um. Oh, well, we'll get to that, Weebs. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna intersplice some uh, stories that weren't covered in the documentary, such as <laughs> the Road Warriors giving a doomsday device to events in a strip club, which is a, which is an amazing story in and of itself. Yes, uh, make sure you got that because I don't have any any of those. I didn't do as much as I usually do for this, but. Uh, this is definitely, like I said, one that I'm fucking really excited to do. Um, damn, if we ever get a Rock and Roll Express, I'll fucking do that one too. But um, I guess I we, mean they do have a documentary out, but um, eh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, they do. I think they made it themselves, though, right? Uh, no, actually, a guy that works for High Spots did it. It's it's, it's a good documentary, but all right, it's not the, it's not it's not the Road Warriors. No, Put it like that. No, nothing's the Road Warriors. Um, in the beginning of this movie, though, let's go ahead and get right into it, Anthony. Then we'll uh, do what we usually do. You know, completely go off track and make the show take even longer. You know what I mean? No, 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 no. We're gonna stay on track for this one. We're gonna be okay. Quick, quick, fast, and in a hurry, like the road, like a road warrior squash. Oh shit! Should I start yelling? Yeah. All right. Well, in this first part of the show. All right. Anyway, uh, in the first part of this movie. Uh, we get Arn Anderson, Michael Hayes, Brooklyn Brawler, Booker T, Edge, Jim Cornette, Steve Kern, Eric Bischoff, Paul Ellering, uh, Jerry Briscoe, and Ric Flair. And, and can I say something real quick? Yes, you can. <laughs> this was during the time period where, my God, um, because I, I watched a lot of WWE documentaries during this time period, and don't get me wrong, they were always top notch, but it just seemed like the only reason the Brooklyn Brawler maintained a job at least during this era, was to appear exclusively for these documentaries because there was a stretch of like, it was a stretch of like two or three years where he was literally on every fucking thing WWE put out. Yeah. He he could have had nothing to do with the subject and he was still all over that bitch. Well, <laughs> uh, Edge too. Edge is the same way too. Edge was is on so many of these. And I'm like, how is Edge on half of these? He wasn't even alive for some of this shit. Uh, well, Edge, I can because he was a he's a current star, and you know he was a fan. Right. So he, he well, so he brought that fan aspect to it. But I don't know, man. Well, it's just like, look, don't get me wrong. Brawler seems like a nice guy, but it just seemed like he was one of those guys that kind of like didn't really add a whole lot, except the, you know just to say the yeah, the oh. road warriors were really tough, and then it would jump cut to something else. Like, yeah. well, <laughs> if you're if you listen to Kamala's song "Push It and Pull It," it was Brooklyn brawler that was on the bearskin rug taking it catching anthony just saying i'm just saying yeah i'm not saying yeah, 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 right yeah, yeah. so let's not go down that uh that uh rabbit hole please i'm just saying look dude we'll say those holes for pat patterson that, that that's not this kind that's not that kind of show <laughs> so get back to the opening box please all right all right i'm gonna go ahead and play the first clip before we get in trouble here here we go. 
let's go ahead. Like I said, we get all those guys talking a little bit about them. And I have to say, I, one reason I love watching these uh, WWE documentaries is to see the regression of Ric Flair's hair. <laughs> it's you dick. He still yeah, you're a you're a Flair fan too. I am, but he still has kind of the golden hair here. It it hadn't mm-hmm. gone to the color it is now, which is like it's supposed to be gray, but he bleached it, so it's not really the right color because it's still gray. It's still golden here. It looks good. I like it. I like yeah. it. <laughs> Flair Flair still looks decent, but um, and. Uh, the other thing I've learned is Michael Hayes does not age. I don't know if that's because of whiskey or what, or if he made a deal with the devil, but he doesn't seem to age. Well, you know what that PS stood for, right? Uh, I believe it's uh, purely sexy. I thought it was pretty sexy or purely sexy. I knew it was one of the two. But damn, that guy doesn't fucking age. I mean, this is I know this is 2005, but look at him. He still doesn't look much different than this right now. Anyway, first clip coming up. Let's do this. Ready. The Road Warriors were the first of their kind. They were over-the-top bad guys posing as good guys. They epitomize what success is in this industry because they dared to be different. In the ring, out of the ring, in the gym, promo-wise, in-ring ability, charisma-wise, they had the whole package. What I remember most about the Road Warriors is... Um, Almost like Mike Tyson, the fear that they brought to their opponents. Back then, I mean, I really believed they would they would knock somebody's head off with a clothesline. I thought I might see a decapitation. I would say the Road Warriors had more imitators than than any other tag team in, in the history of the business. Every time I heard their music, it just gave me a chill because I knew I was in for the beating of my life that night. You know, they were able to kind of redefine the villain and the hero. Uh, with respect to sports entertainment back in the 80s. The guys were big and they were strong and they were brute force and uh, it was just a, a real exciting time to be in the business. If they respected you, they were your friends for life. I'll respect them for as long as I walk the face of the earth. They really worked hard, they tried hard, they cared about our sport. And both of my eyes uh, deserved all they got. All right. So there we go. There's the beginning of it right there. Um, I'm not going to play a ton of clips. Uh, believe it or not, I got a little bit of space in the beginning. Not much, about four or five minutes. But um, so there you go. Brooklyn Brawler literally reading off the teleprompter. Uh, the total package. package. But that, I mean, that's a man who took Jim Ross's uh, advice. Ice to an absolute T. He maximizes minutes there because he literally fucking stressed every single goddamn word that came out of his mouth. Promo wise, charisma wise, they were the total package. In like, the gym, out of the gym, in the laundry room, out of the laundry room, <laughs> <laughs> on the road, off the road, behind the curtain. Jesus, those were like. Like Jesus Christ, that was look, man. I guarantee you, like he 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 was in the back. Like when we producing another DVD, what you need? What you need from me, guys? I got a lot. I got a lot of shit to say. I didn't work. I didn't work with these guys a ton, but I got a lot of shit to say. Yeah, he's always got a lot of shit to say. 
Um, yeah, Jesus Christ. In the ring. Out of the ring. And I like, I also like that Jerry Briscoe at the end there seemed like he li- had literal tears in his eyes. Like, I'll, ha- I'll have respect for them for as long as I walk the face of this earth. Yeah. <laughs> like, like- God damn it. I'm still scared of fucking animal. God damn it. <laughs> I think that's what he was thinking. I'm still scared of animal. I would be. That's this big son of a bitch right there, man. Yeah, I mean, honestly, on the on, on the whole, there, there I go again. Um, my, I, I love the documentary, but you know my one little nitpick. What? And, and, and this and this comes from obviously Hulk couldn't be involved, but I wish we'd have had that counterpoint because as we found out, like years down the road, you know, seeing Animal in different interviews, said he takes credit for a lot of shit. And if you if you didn't know any better, you would just think like Hulk was just along for the ride. Yeah, I picked out the uh, outfits. I kind of had an idea about what they wanted, so I just told Hulk, "All right, just follow my lead, and you'll be all right." Like, yeah. I, that, that's the only thing. That's my only little nitpick. I really wish Hulk was around to kind of contribute to either co-sign or be like, "No, no, that's not exactly how shit went down." Yeah, that would have been a little better. Uh, but of course, obviously, we you know that just wasn't in the cards. Um, ah, man, it, I, I kind of wish we had that too. Obviously, I still. To this day, I mean, I still wish, you know, Hawk was around because, I mean, I would love to see this tag team still today. I know they're old, but I would still think they'd be doing it. I still think they would be out there doing the same shit. Um, so, but um, uh, let's go ahead and get back real quick. It's um, They both grew up in Chicago. And then strangely, around eight years old, they both ended up moving to... Minnesota to Minneapolis. Um, they went to different schools, but still kept in touch. Obviously, I mean, I, it's, it's just kind of weird to me how they both grew up in the same place and then ended up moving to the same place. Um, without, yeah, without knowing each other. It's just it's funny how life works. It's almost like it was fate. Yeah, exactly. It's almost kind of, uh, fate, karma, whatever you want to call it, kind of working, uh, working together there. But, um, they go into that. Um, and then they were, uh, both ended up, uh, being at a gym in oh, old oh, box. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, go, go, go. While it's on my mind, can, can we, can we, uh, uh, break down, um, animals wardrobe choices here? Um, because <laughs> I'm sorry. It sticks out like a sore thumb. Oh, man. you gotta do, you gotta do this to the guy. Dude, come on, dude. Look, look we all, look, we all get old, but my God, he had, he has on like a, uh, Doo brown like velour suit, sweatsuit with a road warrior jacket. That's like, it's like he got too much going on, dude. Like I got a HD TV. I got like bright ass brown, red, black, a WrestleMania cap going on. Like, <laughs> gee, I was praying. Like, please, can did somebody not tell him this was being filmed? I don't think he cared, dude. Hey, look, I'd just be lucky he wasn't in a pair of Zubaz doing, you know, just sitting there. Dude, dude, I would have preferred that. Zubaz, a muscle, a gold's gym, a tank top, a fanny pack. But, dude, like, his wardrobe, it was too much going on. Just too much for you? (laughs) Too much going on for you? Yeah, it was a lot going on. (laughs) Oh, jeez. All right, and uh, Michael Andolini, I do have that uh, story you got, and uh, I do have it ready to go. We'll play it a little bit later in the show. Um so, just wanted to let him know I had it. Anyway, barring the uh, wardrobe of Animal, they were at a gym in uh, 
in Plymouth, Minnesota. Guess what the gym was called, Anthony? Uh, I'm going to guess it was called uh, the gym. It was actually called the gym. Um, and we find out that a lot of guys work there. Uh, we find out that uh, Barry Darsow is was also really good friends with uh, with uh, Animal and Hawk both, which was another thing that it was kind of weird how they did like the most ripoff tag team of them and they were all friends. But uh, we do hear a little bit here from Barry Darso. We hear a lot from him in uh, in this little DVD here. And we hear from John Laurinaitis, Animal's brother, Johnny Ace. Yeah. Yeah. And um and we and we should also point out that um, you know, they take a tour of the gym and they kinda get into the history there about, you know, uh Animal and Hawk's uh, workout regimen. And it, it, they really paint the picture that Minnesota really did breed a lot of champions. I mean, you got the Road Warriors, you got Barry Darso, mm-hmm. uh, Kurt Henning, Rick Rude, yeah. uh, John John Nord, who was uh, the Berserker in the WWF, yep. the Barbarian. Yeah. And- uh, Brock Lesnar, Jesse Ventura. So a, a lot of people came out of uh, Minnesota. Yeah, and actually, that's the second clip I have, Anthony, is him kind of going through that little uh, wall of fame in the gym right there of some of the guys that have come out. So that was the next clip, and I'll go ahead and play it. Wait a fucking segue, Anthony. Hey, I try. I know. That was very good, though. Wall of fame here, as you can see, some of the top athletes around, not only top nationally known bodybuilders and powerlifters, you got pictures of Brock here, and you got Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect over there, you have... uh, John Hoffenberger competed in Miss Olympia. You got Scott Norton, who wrestles out in in, uh, in New Japan right now. That he went to high school with Hawk, as a matter of fact. And then you got Jesse DeBody's pictures up there. You got Road Warrior shots up there. And a lot of powerlifting stuff, wrestling pictures. This is the Wall of Fame. If you're famous in the sports world, you'll make the gym wall. Everybody's- there you go. And now he does get into the uh, workout regimen. I think he said they worked out like four hours or four days a week for like, w- w- like what, six hours? It was ridiculous. Yeah, something like he even does. He does. I liked how he did the little demonstration with the shrugs. Yes. You, you pick the wake up and you just shrug. <laughs> he did yeah. like four. Look, look, he's a more of a man than me. He said, um, I think uh, it was like 250 pounds he lifted. Yeah. He said, try doing like 10 to 15 reps of that. Like, and it's like 900 pounds because. Back in the day, dude, like, you remember, Animal was fucking jacked. Well, they were both jacked as fuck, man. Both of these guys were just fucking, I mean, Jesus, pun intended, animals. They were both animals, dude. They were just ridiculously jacked motherfuckers. Like, at their peak, well, what do you think they were benching at the absolute peak? Oh, they were probably, oh, oh, I don't know. I have no clue. I'm not good at decide, deciding what people can and can't bench. I, 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 I'm I not good at that. Yeah, let me like, see. Like, I, like I'm not I sure. would say maybe P. I would say probably between like maybe five, six hundred. I wouldn't doubt it. Hawk, I would even go. I would, I would even go up to eight. Hawk maybe a little more. I think Hawk was more into the. Hawk looked like he had a little more of the roids in him. Um, just saying. <laughs> Uh, no, well, 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 according to uh, what was it Johnny Ace, the Johnny Boy over there? Animal was bigger. He he came back with the bigger body, but Hawk came back with the better body because Hawk was more streamlined. Oh yeah, but yeah. Animal was always the, he was thicker. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, they were both just big son of a bitches though. Um, so I don't know. I'm sure they were probably benching at least that dude. Those guys were fucking massive back then. 
which again was another thing that drew people to him is the fact that they were just so fucking massive. And a lot of the guys back then were big, but they weren't built like that. Yeah, and it's like yeah, a lot of guys like um they were beard. And like I said, they the road warriors kind of like would you say they started that trend of guys actually having to have bodies and physiques? Maybe a little. It was bit. a it was a combination of them and Hogan at least. I, I would say split the credit between Hogan and the road warriors. Yeah, maybe a little bit because I mean back before that it was just beard gutted big dudes. And I mean you know I mean Ric Flair was never a a real body guy. Yeah, Dusty Rhodes who was Dusty Rhodes. You know, a bunch of those guys, and you didn't really have the big fucking massive bodybuilder guys out there. And maybe, yeah, I'm sure this was a, a definitely a fucking help to it. Yeah, and the thing about it is, the the guy, the guys with the beer guts and that didn't necessarily look like they could fight were the better wrestlers. But it was by the '80s, you had to look the part. Yeah, you actually had to look like you could do some things, even if you really couldn't do some things. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It, it was becoming more of an aesthetic business. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, and being that they were some big son of a bitches and obviously were uh, not anyone to fuck with, the, this is where animals start talking about them bouncing at uh, a few clubs and bars that, they're working on, uh, that they were working at. The main one they talk about in here is a place called Grandma Bee's. Yes. I'm sorry, bro. This is... <laughs> Some of the stories coming out of here, bro, was hilarious. I ain't gonna lie. Bro, Hogan used to get up there on stage and play bass, man. <laughs> Hogan used to get up on in here and play bass, and, you know, they're going through the whole thing. Uh, I swear when I heard Hogan used to play bass, I'm like, God damn it. This, is must, this, this, this must be where Metallica discovered him. Like, Jesus, it's like even when Hogan's not around, I know he that. always finds a way to get himself over on these... Uh, fucking documentary doesn't he he dude the guy he, he doesn't even have to be there to get over but, <laughs> like jesus it's amazing this man he just oh man hogan playing bass that's fucking awesome hey um, look say what you want about the guy but he knows how to keep his name out in the public eye he does man he really does um now i one of the reasons i have a lot of clips in here is because the stories that animal is telling i can't give justice to for me telling him so i kind of have him so he can tell him in his words because i'm not going to do all of these stories justice um yeah. and this right here anthony is where he starts talking about uh eddie sharkey a little bit oh yes uh, uh, <laughs> a hidden gem yes the hidden gem. in his documentary yes let's go ahead and uh talk a little bit about that real quick Eddie Sharkey was a bartender there. His claim to fame was trained in the, at that time, was Jesse the Body Ventura. And when he told us about the camp, we all looked at each other and said, wrestling camp? Man, I don't know if I want to get in a wrestling camp. I know. I said, there's a lot of things I don't know in this world, but one thing I do know, a lot of guys on there, I can beat up, you know, because that's all we were thought of, and that's all we were trained to do was to fight. We used to watch wrestling all the time. We watched Vern Gagne wrestle and, you know, Larry the Axe Hennig and all these guys, and we all wanted to be professional wrestlers. And so we kind of talked Eddie into training us in, too. And when we broke into the business, it was a little different than what everybody else went through. Eddie had an old church basement where they used to hold boxing matches. And this boxing ring was harder than the floor, let's put it that way. All that it was was railroad ties with plywood with a carpet on top of it, with a canvas on top of that. Every time you hit the ropes on one wall, you would hit a cement wall. I got bone chips in my elbow to this day going to wrestling camp where I'd hit the ropes and hit the wall with my elbow. 
It was the worst ring you ever seen. When we first went down there, we thought, Eddie, this is the biggest rib I've ever seen in my life, you know. But we ended up, you know, he showed us the moves and we did everything. Pretty soon, we were doing everything that the guys do right now. I mean, <laughs> flips and suplexes and everything on this ring. And every day we got out of that uh, camp. All right, and that's Barry Dars. Oh, that's Barry. for a second, please? I, I got the volume down. That's Barry Darso talking right oh. there. About doing flips. Did you ever see Barry Darso do a flip, Anthony? Uh, no, no, but I'm sorry, dude. Like, when he said, yeah, we got to the point where we were doing everything that the guys are doing, flips and suplexes. Dude, I swear, I wish it was a camera <laughs> on the premises when they were getting trained so I could get a visual of Barry Darso doing like a Hurricane Rana or a Frankensteiner oh, yeah. or some shit off the top rope. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, I'd like to see old Barry Darsow doing that shit myself. Big, big old gut of his. Yeah. Um, and, and, and another reason, honestly, we are playing clips is because wrestlers are like natural workers and entertainers mm. with their stories. And you kind of got to like cut through a lot of bullshit to get to the truth. But my God, when they <laughs> when some of these guys spin a tale, it's highly, highly entertaining stuff. That, that neither myself nor Box can do justice to. So we no, no, prefer, I, to I, let you, prefer to let them tell it. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's just no way I could do some of this stuff right here. But um, then they start talking about uh, Ole Anderson, how he came into Grandma B's and, uh, and he saw these guys, how big they were, how jacked they were. And uh, he decided to go to Eddie Sharkey's little camp, wherever it was. It sounds like it was a fucking uh, a, a basement dungeon. But um, that's uh, Ole went out there. And um, of course, I'm going to go ahead and let them tell you the story. While we're sitting down there in Atlanta, Holy said, get your stuff ready. So, you know, I went and I said, I talked to Mike about it. I said, Mike, trust me, you know, I'll make some decisions on some stuff the way I kind of know where they want to be. They want us to be kind of bikers in a way. So I went and bought these, these leather chaps and these vests and these stupid gloves that had fringe on them and the biker hats. I felt like one of the village people, you know, <laughs> but I, it, it was a biker theme. So we went down there, wore that for a little bit until Oli and I think uh, it was Bill Watts says, listen, we want to make you guys different than everybody else. And so Hawk comes up with a brilliant idea. Adam, why don't you have a regular mohawk? And where, where you where you have a mohawk, I won't have hair, and I'll have the double mohawk. So we can look like we can plug right into each other. I said, oh, wow, great, you know. Not knowing that, you know, 22 years later, I still have to wear the same haircut, you know what I mean? All right, so there we go. That's pretty much it. That's kind of how the Road Warriors were born right there. Just Ole Anderson, once again, you know, we saw a lot of these guys back then in the business and didn't know, especially being young, my, my age, when I was watching this, you probably you weren't even alive for some of this, Anthony. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you, I, I had no clue how much they really had influence in the business, bringing guys in, getting guys started. And shit, looks like, you know, Ole was the guy that broke these guys into the NWA and got these guys started, basically. Yeah, and, and you got to figure back then, it's not like it is now where you can just go on the internet and find a wrestling school, give somebody a thousand bucks, and they'll show you whatever you need to know. Right. Back, back during this time period, you literally, wrestling was like a secret society. You had to get, it was like by invitation only. And even then, you still had to earn your stripes, and you had to, they, you literally had to let them beat the fuck out of you. You had to earn your way into the business. I mean, I think it was, um, Flair. 
who said he literally didn't know what the deal was 100% until his first match, until he was in the ring. Right. That's how far they would take it. Because they didn't, when you got into the business during the time the Road Warriors would have got in, they didn't necessarily smarten you up to, yeah, this is all a work. We don't really hurt each other. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I still don't, I don't think, the, I, don't, I don't think the, I don't think anybody ever truly smartened the Road Warriors up based on some of the stories. We're going to get into as this uh, thing rolls on. Yeah, I still, I, I, I still think it's it's real to them. Um, uh, definitely. Um, and we do find out the name did come from the Mel Gibson movie Road Warrior. Those the kind of the that is sort of the characters that are in those movies, and um, so that is where their name came from. And and, and um, it's actually pretty cool. Um, what I did kind of like was um. The little backstory that Animal gave on the uh, haircuts because they have, like mm-hmm. I said, the Road Warriors. You're not like everybody now is very, very much has a cookie cutter look model. The war, oh, the Road Warriors were a totally different animal, and I like how he kind of got into the uh, backstory of the haircuts because I was always kind of curious about that myself. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and the logic, and the logic behind <laughs> Hawk's logic, you could say it's a little goofy, but I actually like the logic. We plug into each other. Yeah, we go yeah. together. Yeah, we plug in. I like that. Uh, Sky Genie has a good point. Barry Darsow did flip from Smash to Repo Man. Uh, awesome to a career death. He's got a point there. Yeah. So we all have seen him flip. Uh, obviously not in the way it should be, but whatever. Um, from there, uh, they kind of get into the story where uh, you got a couple of guys. Uh, I believe JR and a couple of them were uh, talking about how a lot of guys weren't sure if they were going to make it because they were basically just, first of all, beating the hell out of people. And people like job guys were legit scared to go in there and go against the road warriors because they had a reputation for actually hurting people. And and honestly, like, you notice, like, how quick they kind of, like, got that big push, right? Oh, yeah. They got they literally got belts like their second, third match in. Now, do you think if social media was a thing back then that the road warriors would have got hate mail. They would have got hate tweets. You're pushing these guys too fast. You're giving them too much too soon. Because if you, if you, if you think about it, that's what made them. You could say they got too much too fast, but at the same time, I don't think they would be as finally remembered if they weren't pushed out of the gate as fast as they were. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they were pushed extremely fast. I mean, and they even, they talk about that even in, in here. They talk about how quick they were pushed up. I mean, they were almost immediately thrown out there with some of the, you know, bigger guys. And I, nowadays it would be ridiculous. I wouldn't even want to hear what people said about them nowadays. Uh, fuck that, dude. Social media is just <laughs> ruining this fuck. Not everyone needs a fucking voice. Remember how you used to tell people, you'd be like, man, I never have to hear that guy say another word again. Yep, now you gotta fucking listen to him type. You gotta fucking listen to his words no matter what. But, um, anyway, that'll bring us right into the next clip, Anthony. What do you say about that? Let's go. Let's do it. Here we go. And our partners, and I just met Arn Anderson. And the Road Warriors, they play their song, and the Road Warriors come in, they do their whole deal, and the crowd's going nuts. And, uh, these two monsters came walking in with the Mohawks. And I looked at Arn, and I said, Arn, I said, I just met you. I said, I ain't getting in the ring with these guys. And he goes, you think I'm going to get in the ring with these guys? And that was the first time I met Arn. And we both stood outside and looked at these guys. We wrestled the Road Warriors for 10 days, and it was absolutely the worst fist fight I've been in my entire life. These two are... Okay. 
That was the line I wanted out of that clip. Um, just remember with Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson is kayfabe in all these videos. Yeah, dude. I I, I have all the respect in the world for Arn. Yes, but but he uh, he had a tendency. I think he was the worst on the. Uh, I think he was at his absolute worst on the Horseman DVD. Mm. Every, everybody's out of character like you know because like it's, it was 2007 by the time that shit came out so everybody was pretty much the you know the horse was out of the barn for a lot of people they like fucking people know what the deal is yeah, yeah. so they didn't they didn't insult people's intelligence but you got Arn on a documentary talking about this shit like yeah man I didn't know what was going to happen in the match I just, uh, oh my god they were these big intimidating bruisers they were getting the ring and I honestly didn't know if I was going to walk out with my life I like it though no, I mean, I, I get it. I, I like get it. it. It's, putting them, uh, it's putting them over, but dude, it's, Do it. it's, 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 it's kind of jarring no. to have people talking about shit in, in the shoot context and this guy over here kayfabe and everything. Speaking of shoot, shot for you, Anthony. Yeah. Oop. Oh, I just had dinner, so I had to let it settle before I did that. That went down hard. Anyway, um, after this, we get JR. Um, once JR gets a little little balls on him in this and starts talking about how these guys are really powerful, but awfully limited in the ring. Um, <laughs> oh, J.R. <laughs> I mean, they were, I mean, they were strong as hell, but really didn't have much in the fucking toolbox at all. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, are, are you saying that we had, we had glimmers, we had shades of a smart ass J.R. Yeah. that we talked about on, uh, yeah, most on the AEW show from this past most, week? Most definitely. Most definitely we did. Um, after that part, uh, w- we do get to see draws. This was, uh, geez, this was, a, this was really, when did that happen to draws, Anthony? I totally forgot. About- uh, it would have been about five and a half years before this, where he had the uh, injury. Wow. So okay. like, it was like, it would have been like five, six years. And, uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, man. Like, um, were you a fan of draws? I mean, look, I'm not saying he was going to be a superstar, but. On on like a uh, mainstream level or anything like that, like Austin Rock, but man, it, it was something about that guy. I mean, there, there was a lot of uh, untapped potential that I wish we could have got to see, kind of like play itself out. E- even if I wasn't a fan of the guy, he deserved better than what he got at the end there. Oh, absolutely, yeah, I, I, I definitely believe that. I actually think Draws could have done something. I think they would have gone through a few character changes with him, but um, I think. Definitely, he 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 still he he might have still been doing this shit today, man. But I mean, it, <laughs> and uh, I will we'll get to that later because uh, it's it's another Jrism uh, that I want to get to, like with drives. But we'll say that for well, when we get to it. We're, we're going to get into the other one who was a little bit douchey on the show. Uh, Lawler, right here, starts telling a story about uh, the time that Hawk no sold a pile driver. And you could tell that Jet, that Lawler was like still pissed about it, even telling the story. He's like, yeah. even after the, so in other words, <sighs> even though the guy was dead and gone, it was years, it was years and years <laughs> and gone by. You could tell he still had to get his receipts in on the guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know he was still pissed about. It. He's like, oh man, I to this day I want to kill that motherfucker. But uh, yeah, you, you you could definitely hear in his voice. He's like, and. No one had done that to us ever, son of a bitches. And, but, uh, we do get. Oh, yeah. uh, Should we mention that he was teaming up with uh, was the guy? He was on the NWA Power Show, Austin Idol. Austin Idol, that's right. A young Austin Idol makes an appearance on a WWE release. There you go. There you go. Very quickly, 
but um yeah yeah there's that um now we get into a little bit of the uh of the lod talk a little bit here which is the next clip i'm gonna go to like i said these clips are gonna fly because of the run sheet i got here so here we go a legion of doom started forming it was a spoiler king kong bundy jake the snake roberts and paul ellering and the road warriors now we hawk and i and ellering called ourselves a legion of doom anyway you know where we got that legion of doom from from a super friends cartoon Meanwhile, back at the Legion of Doom. Road warriors indeed, dangerous adversaries, masters of mayhem, no question about that. Part of the Legion of Doom. Well, it came to two of us when Jake had left and went to the other part of the NWA, which is up with Crockett Promotions. And the spoiler left and went to Canada. They kind of saw the writing on the wall. The, the Legion of Doom was starting to shrink and shrink and shrink. And so here we were left with... Ellering, Hawk, and I. It's been survival of the fittest, and the Legion of Doom, as you can see, has survived very well. We alone stand. All right. In just a minute, we're actually going to get into a lot more Paul Ellering talk because uh, this is kind of where, uh, basically, this is where we it, it kind of hear exactly what Paul Ellering was, Anthony. Um, we hear he was more than just a on-screen manager for these guys here. Oh yeah, pretty much. He was a uh, basically he was a shoot manager, meaning that uh, he would handle their travel, he handled their uh, bookings, he helped them negotiate contracts. He basically he basically was almost like a uh, almost like like a like a road agent type for him. Right. He made sure they was he made sure they was good on the road, took care of everything for him. Whereas a Bobby Heenan type would literally just be your manager for that show. Once the show's over, all right, see you tomorrow. I'll see you next week. See you at the next. See you in the next town, right? And go your separate ways. He, they literally were joined at the hip, and I really felt like it, it added like a layer of uh, credibility to what they were trying to do on screen. Yeah. Now, Anthony, let me uh, ask you something. Yeah. Um, Paul Ellering. Now you had Animal, who could obviously talk. You had Hawk, who could obviously do the same. And Paul Ellering, as their manager. Now, you had two guys who could talk. I hear a lot of people. I'm not one of them. I personally loved Paul Ellering. I thought Animal would talk, Hawk would talk, and then Ellering would put a bow on everything they just said. I loved mm. Paul Ellering and the group, but I hear a lot of people always thought he was just useless because those guys could already talk and had said everything already. Uh, I, I feel like he added to the package. I feel like he added, like I, if this makes sense, he added a layer of professionalism to the presentation. Um, almost like he was almost, he almost like was, he came, he came across like the evil genius who had two Frankenstein monsters. You know what I mean? You needed somebody to basically summarize everything that they just said. Cause animal would come in, do his thing. Hulk, it would be funny as hell. <laughs> but it, so sometimes it would kind of be like, the fuck did he just say? Yeah, huh? And, and then and then you had, you know, like I said, because uh, Paul Ellering, and he comes across very well in his documentary. You could tell this is a straight laced dude, very intelligent. You needed a guy like that to kind of come in and summarize the point. Like he said at one point in the documentary, he basically was there to summarize everything you just heard. Like right. the, the main selling point of the match they needed to get over, he would they would end it with that. And I feel like he added a lot to the uh, Road Warriors presentation. Okay, so I, I completely agree with all that. And we do find out, they do tell you in here that Paul was actually an incredibly smart guy, a member of Mensa. Uh, he was always reading the Wall Street Journal and actually was active in the stock market at that time. 
And I'll tell you what, it wasn't easy to be active in the stock market at that time because it was a, that, that stock market was incredibly up and down at that time. Yeah. And I love, uh, Jim Cornette tells a story at one point about Paul Ellering. Like, oh no, it might have been Michael Hayes or Michael Hayes or Jim Cornette. Uh, he was the first guy that they saw in the back that was actually reading like the Wall Street Journal, whereas everybody else might have been reading porn, like I would have been yeah. or some shit like or that. Or something, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think this dude is back there. He's actually, he's actually a cultured dude. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, like honestly, I always wonder sometimes what a regular person would think about in a wrestling locker room. I mean, even though Paul Ellering himself was a wrestler, he was like a very straight laced dude, kind of like Ricky Steamboat. You don't hear too much about Ricky Steamboat, right? He was, a, he was a pretty straight laced. I always kind of wonder what the straight laced dudes would wonder, like just sitting back in the locker room shooting the shit, like being surrounded by all of that insanity. Guys doing God knows what, mm. especially during the 80s. Oh, yeah. Espe- especially that you got guys running around hopped up on cocaine, ribs, women, God knows what else. Well, uh, yeah, we get into the partying. Uh, we do. I have a couple clips to play about partying. Don't worry about that, oh. Anthony. Oh, um, you had brought up earlier. I wanted to give uh, Sky Genie some credit here, and I want to get your opinion on something real quick. So I hear that the Road Warriors made an appearance in Memphis and refused to do jobs to Lawler and Dundee, so there has been heat there for years. Now, obviously we've established that the Road Warriors were pretty much pushed out of the gate, Goldberg style. Right. Do you think that hindsight being 2020, knowing what we know now, do you think that um having them be so dominant for so long hurt them on the uh, back end of their careers? Because they never really evolved past beating the fuck out of people and then as the style changed they never really they always felt like out of place once it became more about back and forth and you got to give the other guy a little bit but then it almost kind of diminished the road warriors because they started to sell too much and it's like it took away from what made the road warriors the road warriors like the road warriors don't sell and all of a sudden you see them in there selling like steamboat yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I also think a, another, another thing I took away from them when, uh, and they even, I don't have the clip, but they, uh, when they went to WWF and they had them doing comedy stuff and, you know, even when they were in the, the, the barbershop, oh, what a brush. Come on. I think that killed them too. Um, it humanized them a little bit, which they weren't supposed to be. These guys were supposed to be these fucking, you know, post apocalyptic crazy motherfuckers. And you know, so you don't agree with Jim Ross's point about he he actually kind of liked that the WWE not humanized them, but it added like another layer to their uh, character, so they weren't just like 100 percent ass kicker serious all the time. Yeah, Jim Ross. Added, it, yeah, it, it, it was probably payday, Anthony. They probably had a, he probably had his check in his pocket. Um. <laughs> like, put, like put the put the WWE portion of their careers over above anything else. Got my check today. Better make sure I talk good about these sons of bitches. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, another layer. Uh, yeah, layer. Uh, no, no, I don't think I. <laughs> I hated it. I hated all the comedy with those guys. Um, now as far as you know, in the ring, they really wanted to protect themselves, no matter what cost. So that might have actually hurt them in the long run, especially in some of the territories. Because I mean, even in this, we get a uh, a little a little glimpse of how their attitude was piss poor, which was one of the reasons I think they were uh, booted out of AWA. I think they say in here, I, I think that clip is in here, but, um, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Cause Ver, I mean, well, Vern got a lot of, you know, don't want to speak ill of the dead, but 
Vern Gagne in his day was a piece of work. Yes. And he, he was used to having his way. I mean, which, you know, is his territory. So I kind of get his logic there. Yep. But he wasn't, I mean, the Road Warriors were very no nonsense in your face guys. And he wasn't used to guys saying, no, I'm not doing that. And <laughs> these guys are younger, stronger, jacked up. And I mean, you might, he might have quote unquote shooters on his roster, but they were also aging shooters. And the World Warriors were fucking gas to the gills. Yeah. And, so, yeah, yeah it, it's not like you're going to send Baron Von Rash, old ass Baron Von Rashke in the ring. Yeah, I'm going to need you to shoot on these boys. <laughs> like, I, I don't think it'll be as easy <laughs> as he thought it was going to be by that point. Maybe if it was 10 years earlier, it'd be a different story. But by yeah. this point, no, the World Warriors were pretty much dominating anybody you put up against them. Yeah, definitely. And the, the, there's a little bit of that, but we definitely get into some Paul Ellering talk here. Um, I'm glad we agree on that. He's he was a, a useful tool for this. So uh, for for them, I mean, here we go. Business, you know, long time before we ever got in the business. In fact, he was trained by Eddie Sharkey too. Yeah, bleach blonde, precious Paul Ellering, and and he was really going to be a talent. And all of a sudden, he destroyed one of his knees just really, really badly. And Ole at the time said, you know, you're really good on the mic. And he says, uh, have you ever thought about managing? I automatically said yeah i thought about it because years ago even before i was in this sport i had a premonition dream that i was going to be a wrestling manager and that was going to be my forte in this business and i wasn't even in wrestling yet i don't know how the mind works but it was a premonition dream so he so there you go uh paul had a little uh, a vision almost and, a, pre- uh, a premonition dream. <laughs> yep. Obviously came true because, in my opinion, he is one of, one of, I mean, we got Jim Cornette on here, you know, another great manager, but I think Ellering was one of the greatest. I liked his style of talking. He was with two tough guys and talked like a tough guy. Yeah. And like I said, he just fit. He complimented. It's all, it's almost like, you know, I, I, I think it's kind of funny when people say who's youthless, who adds to one act. You know who I want to get your opinion since this is from your era, since we're talking about it anyway. Mm. The horseman. You were a horseman guy when you were growing up, right? Yep. Do you think what what do you think about JJ Dillon's uh part in the horseman? Because you have four guys that could talk, right? That could work, that didn't really need a manager per se. Do you think he added anything to the uh, overall package of the horseman? Or do you think he was just kind of like there along for the ride? No, I, th- I think the same thing. I think he added to it. He was the same kind of guy. And he was doing the same thing for those guys. He was booking their flights. He was booking their hotels. He was making sure they, they, they their, their luggage got there. He was doing the same thing. And those guys needed it because all they were doing was partying. But, um, <laughs> good. <laughs> I mean, really, that's, that, that, that's all they were doing was partying. So, but, um, <laughs> I, I definitely think JJ added to him once again, those guys would talk and he would wrap it up like a businessman. You know what I yep. mean? Exactly yep. what I I liked that the horsemen needed a businessman running their crew. I think it was definitely good, especially at the time, especially for the time when I mean, if you looked in the audience, people were wearing suits. People were coming straight from work right to these wrestling shows. Yeah. And, and I got to say, um, you talk about sore thumbs. Uh, obviously, they always say the original is the best version at one point. And this is one thing that I love about the documentaries is the clips of uh, from back in the day, 80s, 90s, because that's my time as a fan. 
Uh, they have, uh, they're showing a clip of the horseman, right? You got Ric Flair dressed to the nines with the shades. Yep. You got Telly Blanchard dressed to the nines. Arn Anderson dressed to the nines. And you got a, you got fucking Ole Anderson in a damn I look good t-shirt <laughs> in his wrestling type. Like, I don't know, dude. Like, that, <laughs> I mean, look, I get that's the original version of the horseman, but whenever I see clips and Ole's a horseman, it just, like, he really stands, he sticks out like a sore thumb, like, one of these does not look like the other. No, but I mean, he was just the, <laughs> he was the country boy muscle for the team, I guess, for the, for, for the horseman I, I, at that time. But, uh, yeah, you're right. It always did look a little weird. Um, I think the next clip is a little more Paul Ellering talk here. Um, let's just go ahead and play it instead of fucking sitting here and wondering, how's that sound? Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Two Rottweilers right behind him. And in addition to being the on-camera manager, Paul took care of Animal and Hawk's business needs behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, their contractual negotiations. At that time, Ellering was your manager's manager. Not a, a fake matter. Ellering did our plane tickets, their cars, hotels. The last thing you would want is for an angry hawk and animal after the airport has lost their luggage to go up to the Hertz counter and negotiate a rental car. <laughs> not, not, a, not a good, not a good scene. He did their wrestling strategy. He arranged our matches. He helped them manage how they did their budgets. I mean, he used to graph and chart futures investments. I mean, that was his hobby on the plane. We would look and he would have three rows, all these graphs and charts, and he's got his protractor and his compass and his, you know, his miter and everything out there doing everything. He was the brains of the whole outfit. All right. Well, Animal just made him sound like he was a carpenter, but uh, <laughs> no, no. But I mean, like that sound. That much, you know, I think uh, we owe a, uh, a huge debt of gratitude right there to Barry Darso at the end when he said he was pretty much the brains of the operation. Yeah. And literally, I, and look, this is. <laughs> I mean, just hear how Animal talks throughout this documentary, and you hear how Paul Ellering, and you get why he was their like, shoot manager. You get, you get why. Like, yeah. Cause just, cause just imagine, and this is not saying anything about anybody's intelligence. I'm not saying they were dumb guys, but just imagine Hawk and Animal negotiating a contract versus Paul Ellering negotiating on their behalf. Well, it would be like Brock Lesnar negotiating his own contract. Um, not sure how that would go either. You know what I, I mean? Want, I want this shit now. No, no, what he meant, sir, was. <laughs> Let me tell you exactly what he meant. My client, Brock. All right, okay. <laughs> I could, I would love to be in a negotiation with those two. I'll tell you the truth, though. I really would. I go Andaloni. I would pay money to have been Paul to have seen Paul do the things Animal just described with the protractor and the compass and shit. Yeah, he's a carpenter on a on a fucking airplane. Oh, uh, now, 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 Jr. has a point. I would not want those two guys being pissed off and going up to fucking rent a car either. That's definitely something I would not want to see. Um, <laughs> look, and did you notice the look in uh, JR's eyes there? He looked like a guy that was going through PSD. Like, yeah, it's like, that's a man that saw some shit in his lifetime in the wrestling business. Yeah, he's like, I, 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 I've seen it and I never want to see it again. Uh, <laughs> and, and I love how they had the music going too. Yeah. He said, it's not a good look. And he said, not good at all. And then oh. they got the music in the background. You got JR just looking there like he's shaking his hair like a war veteran. Like, 
Yeah, man. I done seen some shit. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and we go from that. And this is where they start talking when they left NWA and went to AWA. And the kind of what I want to talk about here is they talk about how during the territory days, if you weren't happy or if you were getting stale, you could just go to another company. You could yeah, just do that. It, it, yeah, it's, it's basically like it's what's hurting WWE now. It's almost like it's what's hurting WWE now because it's like nowadays when WWE signs a guy, you're just there until they kind of like get tired of you being around, then they let you go. Right. Whereas back in the day, if you had been a pl- working somewhere like, say, six months to a year, and you were starting to get kind of stale, before you got to the point of no return, you could put in your notice, go somewhere else for six months to another year, come back, and it's almost like you got a new coat of paint on. Right. Exactly. And, I, and I really feel like wrestling could benefit from... Wrestling, honestly, you know, looking back on it, really benefited from having that territory system set up to where guys could go multiple places to learn and become better. Yeah, yeah. And and like I said, you know, there were many reasons to go. Your character was getting stale, which they weren't. They just weren't actually happy there. And it was great that you could just go to another place. And, I mean, at one point, they even say in this DVD... People wanted them. They could have gone to a ton of other places, and they just decided to go back home and work for AWA in Minnesota, back in their uh, basically hometown. So, um, and in, this is actually where, speaking of, uh, you, you mentioned uh, Baron Von Raschke, um, this is actually where they talk about their uh, AWA title match with Baron Von Raschke and the Crusher right here. Um, I think that's part of the clip I got. I guess we're going to find out again. First, the Warriors ruled the NWA, the NWA champions. Now we come to bigger and a better and more competitive wrestling circuit, the AWA. And now we're the world champs. You people, you fat people sitting, getting drunk, eating potato chips in front of the TV show, watching Happy Days. Look, look at these belts. They're the Warriors, and they're never, never coming off our waist. You've got to dare to be different to get on the map. They were so in your face. And in the ring, they knocked the shit out of you. I mean, they would knock you down. What you saw was what you got. And the fans could feel that. That's one thing you've got to always remember. You cannot bull the fans. They feel you or they don't feel you. And that's up to you. All right. Jesus. <laughs> It's up to you. Well, I mean, obviously, Michael Hayes likes being felt. I mean, we know that. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) You feel me? Oh, man. Hey, if you want to know how to molest somebody, talk to Michael Hayes. You got to make them feel you. That's up to you. (laughs) It's up to you to make them feel you. Um, And don't worry. We've got some free birds talk coming up. I promise you. I promise you we got some free birds talk coming up in just a couple of minutes here. (laughs) Oh, Box, did you notice? Did you keep tabs on how many times uh, Michael Hayes had to get bleeped out in this documentary? I think it was. I think there's a couple more. Yeah, there's a couple more. He he must have done a couple shots of wild turkey before the show, Anthony. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this dude was dropping f bombs. Yeah, good lord, like he didn't care. <laughs> my, my my, you could tell. Like I don't know, man. Neither one of us obviously never met the man, but I get the sense that he had a good time <laughs> during the filming of this documentary. 
Yeah, probably. They probably did. Um, they, they definitely probably did. Um, we go a little bit here into the match they had with uh, the Crusher and Dick the Bruiser. Um, oh, yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, do you got a clip lined up? Uh, I, I, I don't have a clip lined up for this, but I got a clip lined up for the Freebird stock. Oh, yeah, because uh, Cornette really added like a lot of insight. Well, here. Hold <laughs> on. I, I, got, I just passed it. Hold on one second. Let me back up just a bit. Here we go. You want to get to the Cornette part? Yeah. Here. Here we go. I've got it right here. I think this is what you were talking about. Vern Gagne's top team, Dick the Bruiser and the Crusher, had been on top for 30 years. And, and they looked the part in their day. But when these guys came along that were bigger and stronger, and Bruiser and Crusher are the baby faces, and the Road Warriors aren't selling anything for them, and they're just beating them up because that's what they did. Very first move that Hawk and I did, it's kind of a funny story. Here are two guys that really never left their feet in 25 years of wrestling. The first thing we did then when they came in the ring is I gut shot at one, kicked the other one in the gut. We press slammed them over our head, and we could I could hear Crusher, and I could hear Bruiser going, what are you guys doing with us? And we, you know, Hawk goes, anything I want, you know, and slams them, you know. I've never seen anybody get so red in the face. You know, it, it hurt Bruiser and Crusher in the eyes of the people. But let's face it, they'd been around for 30 years. Their time had come and gone, and the Road Wars were what's new. All right, this is kind of what me and you were talking about earlier, Anthony. You got these two guys who, at the time, had great had the wrestling body, and they were really just a bunch of two. They were really just two fat, beer gutted dudes. Yeah, yeah. And then you got these two guys that come in there that are fucking bodybuilders. That's exactly what they were. They were fucking bodybuilders, and they go in the ring and they look like fucking two skyscrapers. Next yeah. to yeah, next to a fucking you know storage unit, a garage. It's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, and it's like back then, like you know, like back then people weren't people didn't care about you know wrestling. Like like I said, it, the the uh, minority it, the uh, minority that cared about actual good wrestling, Bell La Bell, was very small compared to what it is now. Mm-hmm. You people wanted to, they wanted guys that looked the part, and Bruiser and Crusher they might have been. The better wrestlers, whatever, 20, 30 years, for 20, 30 years in that area yeah. of the country. But the Road Warriors, they, like I said, they were younger, they were stronger, and they looked the part of, they looked the part of what fans wanted out of their wrestling at that time. Definitely. And Michael Andolini is trying to figure out what is that, uh, jolly pirate music in the back. That is polka music. And that is what Dick the Bruiser and, uh, the Crusher used to come out to was polka music back then. Um, so that is what that music was in the background there to explain that to you, sir. Um, anyway, Anthony, time to talk about the fucking free birds, man. Oh yeah. Um, shit. I'll take shit that you couldn't do in 2019, Alex, because uh, are we, are we going to talk about the stars and bars? And we'll get there. How, we'll get Jesus there. Jesus Christ. We'll get there. Let's, uh, let's just start here. Let's start here. The Freebirds were the most revolutionary tag team of the last 25 years, bar none, because they were the first cool heel. The Freebirds, myself, Terry Gordy, and Buddy Roberts, were the first to use a rock and roll entrance and rock and roll outfits, and that was breaking a lot of barriers in the late 70s. Coming from the South, bringing out the stars and bars, the Skinnered music, it was almost a national anthem for for young males from the South that wanted to see these long-haired hippies kick the shit out of the establishment. They had a tremendous amount of charisma. Why don't you mess with the boys from Bad Street? Because we are Bubba Bad to the bone, 
and we do drink alone, and nobody tells us what to do. What a tag team. They were synonymous, typical, southern, hillbilly-type tag team. So All right. Now, did you catch the two George Thorogood references there, Anthony? I bet you didn't. No, I did not. All right. The bad to the bone, George Thorogood. Mm -hmm. And we do drink alone. He also made a song called I Drink Alone. <laughs> and when I drink alone, I prefer to be by myself. That's what he says in the song. That's the lyrics. I'm going to go ahead and keep playing the clip. I just wanted to bring up that I, I, I caught those because I'm, I'm, I'm weird like that. Some of the best matches I remember with the Road Warriors, and maybe they weren't the greatest technical matches, but putting asses in seats. The biggest one I remember was the big fight at Kaminsky Park, and I believe it still holds the attendance record. And that was the night, I believe, that we decided to do for the first time, we were going to answer their face paint with our own type of face paint, which is like we painted our, our faces like the rebel flags. So there you go, Anthony. There's the one you were talking about. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it's not even nothing about anything racial. That was just like, uh, did you ever see uh, the Freebirds with their faces painted like the rebel flag? They look ah. fucking horrible. They do. They look very weird. This was in 1985, so I don't remember watching this. I don't think I've ever actually seen the AWA Superclass from 1985. Um, yeah, it's actually on the network. Um, I really? think that this this is like probably uh, one of their last big shows before they really start to uh, fucking circle a drain around 86, 87, and then eventually uh, went out of business. So this is probably one of their last peak, peak uh, years, 85. Yeah. All right. All right. But I, And, you know, once again, if you look in the crowd, you got some people in suits that look like they just came from work. You got some people that are there. You got a ton of different people in the crowd. And but I, I, the ones in suits are the ones that I always, for some reason, I notice them because I'm like, these motherfuckers like literally just like walked off Wall Street and just said, "Fuck it, let's go see wrestling. We're fucking <laughs> coked up and drunk. Let's go do it." And dude, I, I got to point out, man, I got to give credit where it's due. No. Michael Hayes made a very good point there. Okay. About, uh, yeah, the wrestlers, they might have not been technical masterpieces or anything like that, but they drew money. There yeah. was an ass every 18 inches. And I feel like a lot of times people forget about that. I mean, nowadays, wrestling's, in from an in-ring standpoint, has never been better. Mm -hmm. But it, you don't get that same thing. Did you hear that crowd? Yeah. You said you saw, you saw men in suits. Yes. You saw all kinds of people. You didn't just see regular folks like you and me. You saw business people mm -hmm. going crazy over basic ass shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, like, like, seriously, you don't think Vince McMahon would give his left nut for a crowd like that today? And remember, this that, that show was in Chicago, and they took the fucking stars and bars and painted their face with it. Now again, I don't want to get into a whole thing about that fucking flag. Whatever, it's it it is what it is. It's pretty much banned everywhere anyway. So that again is what it is. Um, but that was ballsy. Back, even back then, that was ballsy. Even by, even by eighty standards, you even think you give in Chicago in the eighties, that was still even though Dukes of Hazard was still on, it was a uh, you know because they got that on top of their car. Um, it 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 was still ballsy. People still had a little uh, a little problem with that flag even back then. Listen, I remember my sister put one on her uh, on her car when she went to high school, just thinking no thinking, just thinking it was a cool thing to do. We were in the North Carolina in the South, and it got ripped off the second day. Ah, yeah, and 
Yeah. No damage to the car, right? Uh, it was a convertible, and they shoved, they ripped the top with the plate and shoved it into the seat. So we had a, yeah, she had to get a new top for the car. But um, yeah, so I mean, it was, and and that was that was like eighty nine ninety. So still problems even back then with that flag. But um, those those were obviously good times. Michael Hayes had to put over the fact that he he holds that attendance record. Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> hey, hey, look, dude, like, look, dude. The number one rule in wrestling: always put yourself. Anytime that camera's on, you put yourself over. You get like, I, they, yeah. He come, look. He comes from that school of thought, man. Like, you, whenever that camera's on, bro, you got to put yourself over. Got to do it. And Michael Andolini has given us a little information on where this place, uh, where that was held, that uh, Super Clash, um, Comiskey Park. Not it, not there anymore. It's actually the parking lot to the uh, uh, the uh, the new field for the Chicago White Sox. So, is gone, like every great place really is at this point. Um, but from there, Anthony, we they stop talking about the uh, Freebirds and they go into the match with the Fabulous Ones. And ah. once again, I can't do some of these stories justice. I must play them, and here we are. The Fabulous Ones, Stan Lane and Steve Kern. Kern. And the powers of beat pulled us into the, the bathroom. And they said, we want you to drop the belts. And Vern goes, guys, we want, to, want you guys to pull the switch thing. I said, what do you mean? Well, you one of the fabulous ones is going to get knocked down. Referee's going to take you back. They're going to pull the switch. You guys are going to get tricked. I said, Vern, we're street fighters. We're supposed to be street smart punks that you can't trick us. No, 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 you got to do this. We go out to the match and... They're introducing us, and, and we're, we're saying to them, we're not going to do it. But Steve Kern had a habit. He wouldn't pay any attention. While the referee's giving the instructions back in those days, he's looking around at girls in the front row, and Stan's kind of flexing and everything, and the road warriors walk up to the center of the ring while the referee's talking to him. Animal says, we're not going for the finish. And they look in, they're looking at each other saying they're not going to do it. They don't really understand. Here came the road warriors, and they start beating the piss out of the fabulous ones. Finally, they just, that's it. They threw a couple chairs in the ring. We grab chairs, start swinging, bam, bam, bam. Fabulous ones jumped out of the ring. They come back with chairs. Double DQ, we went back to the dressing room. Ganya comes in all ticked off. What are you guys doing? I said, what do you mean? I said it was the right thing to do. The people wanted it that way. They wanted to see us go crazy and stuff. That's what we did. We gave them what they wanted to see. Nobody's changed a finish on me in 25 years. Nobody does this. I said, well, we just did it. <laughs> you know. And I, I told the guys, you know. There you go. There you go. Great story right there. That you know. And again, we uh, this is something we already talked about before. They protected themselves, and obviously Ellering just admitted to basically telling them that's what you got to do sometimes. So Ellering was obviously a big part of this too. Now, uh, now Box, where uh, yeah. do you stand on that? Um, back then. Oh uh, yeah, like yeah, like yeah, back then, like like wh- whose side do you take on that argument? Because obviously, uh, Road Warriors during this, they were pretty much AWA's top tag team at this at this particular point in time. They basically. The role Hogan would have had as their top drawing act, right? Basically, went to the Road Warriors. Okay, yeah. So, you're so, right. so, where do you're you stand right. on that? Do you think the right they made the right call because yeah. they basically went to, went with their guts and it ain't the time for us to do any type of job. Yeah. But the owner of the company would say, "No, I want you to do it this way," and they said, "Okay, fuck that. We're going to do it our way." <laughs> well, put it this way: if you look after that match, there was actually trash being thrown at them. So, yeah, I would say they did the right thing there. 
And he's right. It's what the crowd wanted him to see. Now he uh, now even animals said you know one thing at the end of that little um, at, at the end of the clip they were trying to do what was right for the business at the time that shows how much you know as much as they are portrayed as kind of just a couple of meatheads mm-hmm. he did have a good understanding of the business and what people wanted especially with the fact that they went ahead and went and did with what the crowd wanted to do yeah and I and I gotta admit it was kind of like. From animal perspective, I got where he was coming from. Where basically, Ganya, I guess he maybe I don't want to say it was a double cross, but he was trying to make them out to be stupid. Like their whole gimmick is they're street fighters, right? They're, which means they're street smart, so they would never go for ooh this one. The, they look alike. They're twin. No, mother, they wouldn't go for some shit like that. It was twin magic, Anthony. No, like no. It was twin no. magic. No, no. Oh my God! I, I, it's twin magic. No. Look how big. Wait a minute. Their her boobs are not as big. What the hell? All right. No, no. I, I think that was Ganya trying to get one over on the Road Warriors with that one. I think so too. Um, now after this, uh, Anthony, they they get into another uh, another tag team that I actually loved. Ivan and Nikita Koloff. Um, this is after they basically leave the AWA because they kind of got fired for that shit. Um. Uh, no, I'm sorry. They quit. They ended up quitting and going back to NWA. They did not get fired. I believe they quit and uh, go back to the NWA. And they start doing a thing with Ivan and Nikita Koloff. Now, Nikita Koloff, Anthony, I've told the story of, uh, you know, when I went to Dorton Arena in Raleigh, North Carolina, when I was a kid. And when um, that's actually who was up against the Rock and Roll Express. Nikita Crush. Nikita and Ivan Koloff. And Nikita is the one that, what I didn't know is my dad knew him very well. Nikita Koloff is the one that, you know, growled at my dad. And my dad said, oh, don't fuck with me. And he walked away like he was sorry. Um, again, didn't know it was a work till I was in my mid-20s. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it was. Now, now did, your, did your dad... Uh... Break kayfabe for you because you know he wasn't really a Russian, right? Uh, I I didn't know that back then, dude. I was I think I don't even think I was ten years old. At the time. You know what? I must have been. I must have been ten or eleven years old at the time. I mean, he 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 got like ingrained in the culture of it, and uh, <laughs> I think he actually changed legit changed his name, so he pulled the warrior. But no, I, mean, I think I his remember. name is Scott Sampson or some shit like that. But yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, after I remember all that. I was like, oh, but I knew it was fake at that by that time. But um, yeah, th- it was pretty cool seeing. And obviously, I mean, Nikita, you could tell that accent was a little uh, <clears throat> over the, over the top, over the top. Nah, nah. I, 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 <laughs> don't worry, I think I have some of that accent here anyway. Um, you know what? Let me see something. Where, where where are we here? And we should also point out that this is the feud that unofficially turned them babyface. Yes, because because at this point they had been aesthetically they they on aesthetically they had been heels, right? True, but but they had always kind of been cheered, but they were still heels, right? Yeah, but this you're right, but you're th- right. this feud this feud with the uh, the Russians is essentially what turned them. And what I liked about it, and they made it a point to point this out, they didn't change a thing. The only thing that changed was people's perception of them. But they didn't change a thing. Their in-ring style didn't change. And I think JR basically summed it up best. People gravitated to these guys because they was big, jacked-up dudes. Yep. They never they they never uh, backed away from a fight. They always they would fight you to the bitter end. And there's something about that. 
even if you don't like a guy that's admirable. It's the same kind of thing that got Austin over. Right. Even as a, even as a heel, he would just fight to the bitter fucking end. And, and it's something you, you start, you have a, you develop a certain respect for somebody that just will never quit. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. And you know, it was good to see another guy like Nikita Koloff, who was this big jacked up bodybuilder out there too. Um, you know, at that time, cause I mean, Ivan was a little aged by this time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, Ivan smiled a lot. I think he was pretty high a lot. It, that, that, that's my opinion. Ivan was always smiling, no matter how angry Nikita was. You always saw Ivan over there with a little perma smile hey, on his hey, face. Hey, yeah, like we can't. Dis- Ivan Koloff is a legend. Rest in peace. I agree. This is the dude. He ended. He ended Bruno San Martino's first legendary epic title run, and then Cornet was nineteen seventy one. All right, true. And I, by the way, I love the tiny belts. I got it. I love the tiny belts. I, 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 you I, do? I, I do, man. I, I, I wouldn't mind if they just had one tiny belt back again it'd be pretty cool it'd be pretty cool it'd be really old school i wouldn't doubt if nwa was a company that threw one out there eventually um, now box what um you know since we're talking about the nwa real quick um were you a fan which which version of the nwa title did you like better did you like the globe or did you like big gold i i, I like the globe really i do I, I'm, I'm a fan of the globe one actually oh yeah that surprised you there a little bit? Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, personally, between, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I feel like that one is probably a little more prestigious, but in terms of like visually for TV purposes, I, I was always a fan of big gold. All right. Well, you know, 10 pounds of gold, I guess. Um, anyway, we were talking about Nikita and Ivan Koloff and let's go ahead and get a little bit of Nikita. You got to go through all the way. Try all the levels. Try treasure! Try Nakita! It's a no matter! Burn the Bible! You all go down! The Koloss was very interesting. Ivan Koloff, his record speaks for himself, and what a great guy. But when Nikita came in and dominated the scene, it gave the Road Warriors and the fans, more importantly, a matchup that they wanted to see. You Road Warriors! Going to find out that Nikita is ready. Yes, Nikita. He doesn't have to go out and say a lot of words. He does his action in the ring. Nikita played his part so well. He didn't speak English for two years. And through his Russian dictionary, he started learning Russian words, Chitoata, and all this other stuff. Thank you. And I, you know, Uncle Ivan, you know. As soon as Hawk and I wrestled them, it was like we were representing the USA. Those guys were representing the Soviet Union, and it was just the rest is history there. You, you could figure that one out. I mean, everybody was going to back up, especially in the Mid-Atlantic area was going to back the USA guys over the, over the Russian guys. You get up every morning. You go to work, and you work your day, and then you go home. You've worked for everything you've got in your life. Well, the Legion of Doom is no different. I haven't called. There we go. We don't have to do any more of that. Uh, basically, we get into exactly what you talked about to where this match made them baby faces. Not purposely. The crowd just got so behind them. They had to do it. They had to fucking turn them. Um, and we also, <laughs> uh, we also hear JR and Arn talk about how strange it was to see two big bruisers, like again, the post apocalyptic kind of guys as baby faces. It was just very strange to them how that could happen, but. Animal even said, I'm sorry, cut you off back there. Animal even said back there, Anthony, 
that it was just a time where people were really thinking that the bad guys were the good were were the cool guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if you if if you really stop and think about it, uh, it, it's not really surprising they got over True. as fast as they did with people, because like I said, people like winners, it, it, and and if you pretty much put it to you like this, the Road Warriors rarely cheated as heels; they would literally just come in the ring and mollify people, decapitate people, right. pretty much at will. They didn't retreat; they never surrendered. And it's pretty much easy to see why people gravitate gravitated towards them. It's like the same thing with the horsemen. Mm-hmm. The horsemen, even though they were heels, they were cool. I mean, yeah. think about it. What, what young red blooded American male wouldn't want to be Ric Flair in the eighties? Well, guy comes out on TV dressed mm-hmm. to the nines, talking yeah. about banging different chicks every night, drinking <laughs> like a fish. What man wouldn't want to live that lifestyle? And again, if if, if you've ever watched that Horseman DVD. One day they just walked out and there were guys in the ring, or I'm sorry, in the audience, in suits, just like Flair with the glasses and everything. So, I mean, you're right. Even back then, it it was a time for the heels to be the cool guys and the baby faces, not so. I mean, they were still, the baby faces were, were and will always be, you know, have their, their side of the crowd, but I, I liked heels too, man. I was a I I wasn't a the huge I was not a huge Hulk Hogan fan back then. I I was I I liked Andre, but I wasn't the biggest Hogan fan. Um, I, I liked a lot of the heel guys too. Like I said, I loved the Koloffs. I thought they were fucking great. I loved Nikita, especially after what my dad did to him. Um, <laughs> so you know, right, dude, look, dude, you only like Nikita because of Rocky Four, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it was a missed opportunity not doing like a uh, fucking uh, getting Dolph Lundgren in to make an appearance. If he dies, <laughs> he dies. Uh, that would. I'm sorry, dude. I mean, <laughs> that's one dude that needs to make some type of wrestling appearance appearance before all is said and done with him. They yeah. need, somebody needs to sign that dude to a, like a Legends deal, something. <laughs> It'd be nice. Um, now they they briefly Anthony get into the Crockett Cup where. Uh, where uh, Ronnie Garvin and Magnum TA take on the Road Warriors. And then, I mean, briefly, I mean, literally, it's less than a minute that they talk about that. I don't know if you if, if you caught that or noticed. Dude, it's Ronnie Garvin. We don't, I mean, look, all due respect, we don't need to, we don't need to spend, we don't need to spend that kind of time on Ronnie Garvin. <laughs> I wish, right, I 100% agree. I wish they had spent a little more time on Magnum TA. How's that sound? I really do. Cause I was a, I was actually a fan of Magnum TA. I was a, I, I was a Magnum PI fan. Tom, I, I've always been a Tom Selleck fan. Let's let's be honest here. So, uh, so I mean, obviously that was so you were pretty much devastated. Like a lot of people were, mm-hmm. you were devastated when the accident pretty much ended his career. Yeah, and I remember that. I actually remember that. That was in the newspapers. That was even in, that was even in the newspapers in North Carolina. Got to remember, North Carolina back then was a territory. So, my dad would always read the that part because i loved wrestling so much and he would always read that part of the newspaper and tell oh, so me you you lived in the area uh where he had the accident right i was in i was in raleigh north carolina i spent 16 years in, in raleigh yeah i'm sorry 10 years in raleigh 10 years 6 to 16 i lived in in uh in raleigh wow that no i might that's fascinating to me so that means you got you pretty much were like in the midst of that like that storm of uh when this was a real big i mean obviously car accident is always a big deal but 
for wrestling, that was a huge deal because he was Magnum T.A. It might be funny to some people now, but back then he was pretty much a big deal. He was being positioned as basically the Crocus answer to what Hulk Hogan was doing up north. Absolutely. He was he was dude. He had a full. Oh, did he have a they, they were about to stick that rocket up his ass. Yeah, and they, he was about to get the push of a lifetime. Um, that was their plan with him. He was about to, and then yeah, he got into that accident. I think he was driving a, I think he was driving a Porsche, if I'm not mistaken. But I remember my dad reading that in the paper and telling me about it. And I was, I was like, oh my god. And then I think I remember him doing a promo, and he was still on crutches, and his leg was still fucked up. Um, pretty, pretty devastating little thing. But uh, yeah, dude, I, I was ten years down there from uh, from six years old to sixteen years old. I, I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, right there in the middle of it. My dad ran the uh, packaging company, and he ran the Raleigh office, and he ran the Charlotte office. Ah, that's where he knew a lot of these guys were next door neighbor. Nikita Koloff was next door neighbor to one of his salesmen in Charlotte. Dude, that's fucking awesome. That is how he, my dad knew him. He was he was at that guy's house. They were having a barbecue, and Nikita Koloff was at the house. Oh shit! Like, <laughs> please, please, please tell me he was in character. Please no, tell me. He didn't, I, I don't know. I never was, met him. That would have been amazing. <laughs> my dad did not bring me around those guys. Those guys, but my my dad worked with were friggin' just absolute crazy. My dad did not bring me around them very much at all. Um, rarely stories, the stories. Jesus, I trust me. I've heard stories afterwards. I I could definitely get into it one night, but uh, we're trying to stay on track here, Anthony. Um, and since we did mention promos, that's actually the next little segment because you know the, 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 the this is a little segmented up. This little uh, DVD here. The next segment is actually about some of their promos. And what the hell? Let's play some promos here. I will tell you something, punk. We were so bad. That we were giving our mother kidney punches before we were even born. <laughs> Their promos, you know, weren't an artistic success in the sense of, wow, that was clever. But they didn't need to be clever. They didn't try to pretend to be clever. Nobody give me the wrong words. You Animal would say his me. few little words, and, you, and then he'd go to Hawk and it'd be, and let me tell you something. They're all going to pay the road warriors. And he'd rattle this stuff off. He was very, very quick-witted man. When we get done with you, we're going for family members, boys. Mike Hawk would always add some off-the-wall color thing. He never knew till he got there. He was Mike was very good like that. Hey, it's no secret that I'm a few bricks short of a full load, but I got just enough bricks to know one thing. And that nobody besides us deserves a title shot more than us. And Joel, he was hard-nosed and we're going to beat these guys type thing. Dead men can't feel pain. Kevin Sullivan, I guarantee all the people out there, and especially in our hometown of Chicago, no matter what it takes, we will get you up. And when 16,000 people are cheering for us to rip your head off, we're gonna do it. We're tired of you. Get in our face. We're gonna get rid of you once and for all. Tell Paul. I would try to always summarize the point that made the match 
draw money. You know, Bob, the cards are dealt. It's time to play out the hand. And the bottom line is, you gotta go against this man, the animal. You gotta go. All right, so there we go. Basically, what we talked about earlier. Paul Ellering wrapping up the whole thing, summarizing everything like he just said with the Wall Street Journal in his hand, of course. Um, but, I mean, Anthony, you can see me over here smiling. I, I just, I, I really, this is the era, I, I mean, God, I miss this era. And I know I sound like an old piece of shit right now, but this era, those promos absolutely just, I, I don't know, it, it brings me back to the time when I was a kid watching this stuff. And I, I just can't help but sit here with a smile on my face. And yes, I'm a little stoned, but that's got nothing to do with nothing. Uh. No, no, man. Like it, it just—I don't know, man. It—it it really kind of like paints the picture of how it'll never be that way again, for a lot of reasons. Because wrestling, at its core, works better when it was almost run by outlaws. Back then, guys, literally—they were legitimate outlaws. They were. As Hulk pointed out, uh, <laughs> they were a few bricks short of a full load. Uh-huh. But that's what made wrestling great. Nowadays, it's just so sanitized, so corporate, and everybody are reading off of teleprompters and scripts, and, and nothing seems organic anymore. It's like, yeah, like literally, like back in the day, like you literally had guys that <laughs> that literally had like all of these weird personality quirks that were a little off that got into wrestling. Nowadays, you just got model types and. Ooh, that wrestling thing sure looks like fun. Let me give it a try. It, it almost seems like now it's not just produced, but overproduced. You know what I mean, Anthony? It, it's just, it, there's too much. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, we can sit here and say, oh, they should get back to the old kind of the, the grainy, the, 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 the stuff that we were just watching, the, the TV. Listen, NWA is trying it. They've got it in fucking Ultra HD. I like it. They've got the studio wrestling back. So if you really do want to see that, you can still see it. It's great that we can still go back and see that. I mean, I know it's a new show, but I'm liking it so far. So, but, um, Definitely, like I said, I mean, I'm sitting here listening to those promos, and I just can't help but sit here with a smile on my face listening to those two just go off. And, you know, those were unscripted promos, Anthony. Totally unscripted. You could tell. They didn't include it here. And uh, maybe at the end of the show, it'll give me time to look it up, and we can play it to close it out. Uh, There's a promo where Hulk, um, he basically implies that he's going to rate Ric Flair. That's fucking amazing. Uh. Yes, yes. Yes, I mean, he's clearly, he's, he's clearly hopped up on something, but oh. the ver, the verbiage was hilarious. And, and it's one of those things on, on their best day, there's not a writer or producer in wrestling that could script for a guy like Hulk. Mm-hmm. That, that, that literally was all him, bro. Absolutely. And it was, it, it was good shit too, man. Like, like, you know, like, um, Michael Hayes said, he was a quick witty guy. I don't think any, not one of the three of those guys could you have scripted a promo for. No way, no how. Um, but uh, to keep flowing in this, Anthony, we now go on and uh, we get a little more Jim Cornette. And we're not going to get into uh, any of the Jim Cornette bullshit that happened or is, we're not getting into any of that. We're just going to talk about Jim Cornette and the Road Warriors. Um, yes. And this is where we hear about the uh, scaffold match a little bit, Anthony. Um, let's go ahead and hear it. 
about five weeks before Starcade, um, the Road Warriors had a Japanese tour scheduled. So most people didn't get to beat up the Road Warriors, but on TBS one day, the Midnight Express comes out with a loaded racket and whacks Paul Ellering and whacks Animal in the back, and Bobby Eaton comes off the top rope with two knee drops on his back and just, we beat the Road Warriors up, and people had never seen that before. So they went to Japan. By the way, can I point something out real quick? What's that? Jim Cornette, did you hear when he talked about the Midnight Express? He basically mm-hmm. even put himself in the third person. The Midnight Express came out there. We had a loaded tennis racket. We took him out. You, you, you hear how he used the verbiage in there? He <laughs> yeah, literally dude. took a whole group. He third personed himself into just. Hey, but look, 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 look. We have to give credit where it's due. A lot, a lot can be said about old, old corny, but he, he shines in uh, situations like this. The man is an encyclopedia of wrestling history. He is. He is. And I, I, I love hearing Cornette talk. And again, he is the announcer on the new NWA. So, you know, check it out on YouTube. NWA Power. Three R's. R-R-R. So here we go. Let's keep going with, uh, with old Corny here. Midnight Express, we get a big surprise. You ain't ever going to forget, right, brother? Hey, the surprise is good for us. And bad for you. <laughs> and before they went to Japan, they had shot this footage. You people out there, you take a look, and especially you, Midnight Express, what you hit a bag. What's that shit? That shit's lover boy. There you go, Dennis. I'm gonna show you what happens when you fall off. A scaffold. They were throwing the pumpkins off the scaffold and they were smashed into a million pieces on the concrete to illustrate what was gonna happen to our heads. The reason why they wanted the scaffold match is Cornette can't interfere. We know he's scared of heights. So it's just going to be Hawk and Animal and Bob Eaton and Dennis Condry, the Midnight Express, on this scaffold. And the only way to win is to knock your opponents off to the, to the ground. But it was the most famous match in the history of both of our careers. During that Japanese tour, Hawk cracks a bone in his lower leg. It was promoted all over, and gosh, we wanted to do it, you know, and... Uh... So we were apprehensive going into this thing, you know, can we carry it off? And, and Hawk had just broke his leg three days before in Japan. He cut the cast off in the locker room and I took athletic injuries in school and college, so I taped up his ankle real hard, put his boot on, and he had a slight limp, but he climbed up that scaffold like there was nothing wrong. Okay, this man climbed 30 feet into the air on this... Um, yeah. Okay, first of all, Anthony, let's just be honest here. Nowadays, they would not let him do that. Number one. Yeah, for for obvious for uh, obviously humane reasons, and also just it's just not with all of the tragedies that we've had that we've seen that yeah. that have happened in the ring. No fucking way they're gonna have, especially a dude that big. Yeah, twenty five feet up. Fuck that. Yeah, absolutely. Just no way that would even happen. But. um this was a crazy match. It was uh, the the scaffold was three feet wide, thirty feet in the air. This was definitely um, not the smartest match they ever did. I mean, Jim Cornette when he fell, he blew out one of his knees horribly. Both, Both of his knees. You're right. Um, just got completely fucked up. Both of them. And I mean, this was a dangerous ass match for back then, especially for back then. But uh, they pulled it off somehow. They pulled this match off and. Um, it did go down in history as one of the craziest matches I think I've ever seen. I've actually gone back and watched this match more than once, believe it or not. Yeah, and it's like it's not spectacular from the standpoint of oh, because and in fairness to all you know four guys, it's not much you could do on a fucking three foot scaffold. 
you're not going to be doing crazy shit up there. So, I, you know, I feel like if people uh, want to say, oh, this was negative 18 stars. No, you try doing a match eight twenty five feet up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so I, I, I tend to cut the guy some slack. But I will say um, you mentioned the cornet spot that I mean, it's not funny. The guy blew out both his knees. But when he's swinging up there, right, and you got Bossman or Big Bubba, as he was known back then, right, right. Uh, just kind of like wait for him. And then Cornette just drops. And Bossman, is, you feel like he's looking right at him. But I guess because he had the glasses on, he kind of misjudged uh, how much space was between him and catching Cornette. I don't and it, know. Man. It was just fucking hilarious. It was hilarious, yeah, dude. I'm sorry. I don't know. When you, you just saw Cornette, he fell like a sack of potatoes, just hit the fucking ground and dropped. Um, you knew it was pretty bad. Um, right here in the middle um, of this video, though, is right where they kind of, and literally right in the middle, is where they get into a little bit of uh, Hawks drinking and partying. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and play that clip right now. And funny, it starts with Michael Hayes. <laughs> a lot of partying. A lot of fun. Every night that you gathered after an event, at a bar, at a hotel, or at a club or a restaurant, was another adventure. It got pretty wild sometimes, you know. We closed the bar down for sure, and uh, with Ric Flair there, they were getting hundred. The waitresses were getting hundred dollar tips most of the time. <laughs> it was just entertaining, entertaining as heck. It was a real wild, wide open time fast lane and it was everything to the excess everything booze other stimuli women it was always to the excess especially down south it was a lot more wide open you know be on the road 300 days a year maybe more playing one night stands 300 days a year so there was more money to go around and and, and some guys handled it very well some guys didn't. Hawk and Animal are like brothers. Brothers can be very different. It was as if Joe was the older brother. When decisions had to be made about travel or a hotel or logistics, Joe was the older brother. But when it came time for after hours, Hawk became the alpha male. After hours, he was the man. Hawk was a There you go. Um... So obvious, and you know, the, we get into a lot more of this into the, uh, later in the video. I'm, I was a little confused why they had to bring it up now, and then bring it up later. But uh, they sort of kind of told you about it when they it it it, it was just it, it, the evolution of the career is why they sort of brought it up. By the end, I was like, oh yeah, that's why they brought it up. They wanted they they kind of wanted to set the set the uh, table for what they were going to get into later because uh -huh. I guess they they probably felt like you can't just say oh talk about oh it was great 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 oh by the way he had a, a drug pro bad drug problem mm -hmm. so I guess they wanted to kind of like set the stage for like you know the eighties you know the era of excess and like he was you know he never learned you know he was always like up 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 and then eventually as he got older it started to catch up with him and he never kind of grew out of that right. Exactly. Or he yeah. did, but it's kind—it's of, kind of like an Eddie Guerrero situation where he was clean by the end, but by that point his body has said enough, and it just gave out on him. Yeah, yeah, one it, it, exactly, man. 
one hundred percent. We will again. That 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 is later in the DVD. We're not that much. Uh, believe it or not, there's there's not all that much left in this uh, in this whole uh, whole thing here. Um, and now we get into uh, the Horseman, Arn, Ric Flair, and the Full Horseman. Once again, I can't I can't do half these stories justice. So here we go. Feud between the four of us and the Road Warriors. Flash Nikita, Flash Dusty Rhodes, any number of guys. But the greatest rivalry. They just performed a lot better when somebody was out there on the same page and uh, enhanced them and their look. It was the crowd and the road warriors against the horsemen, and it worked. The horsemen were great uh, tacticians, and they were one of the few combinations that could put the road warriors in jeopardy and put the road warriors in the fans' mind in physical harm. And any time an antagonist has that ability, they're normally going to be very successful. The four horsemen, their style fit the road warriors. Players in the wrong corner! There was a difference in styles. Uh, they could make the guys really look good, and we could make them look good just by the difference in style. So much for that double team! Jesus, listen to that crowd. Um, and that was a good point. They were different styles, but, uh, first of all, it's always funny to me to realize that, uh, little Tully was, uh, making Hawk sell moves. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, they're right. I mean, you did have, look, Arn was a big dude. Um, Tully was a jacked up little guy. So I guess it does make a little bit of sense. Um, and you had until and, and tell it could. I mean, he was a smaller guy. He, he definitely could work. To the road, but he he could definitely work. And once he actually worked, like look, look at the feud with Magnum. Magnum dwarfed him, but still they had fantastic chemistry and matches. They did, they did, one hundred percent. But um, obviously, I mean, the Horsemen were just amazing, no matter what, in my opinion. Um, yeah, you know, we will definitely get to that uh, that full Horseman DVD one day. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. And I love, and, and Flair made a good point there too about uh, they uh worked. You know, they, they were at their best when they were in there with guys who were on the same page as them. Right. But basically, were but he basically was saying that as long as they had guys that were willing to work to their strengths and then you know focus on like you know like work around their limitations mm-hmm. and work to the things that they did well, put over the fact that they were big, powerful, jacked up dudes. Right. The matches would be great. But if you had guys that were kind of going to go against that grain, which it's not a part of the documentary, but I kind of wanted to get into uh, some of their matches with the Steiners, <laughs> where that was uh, basically the opposite of uh, these horsemen matches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. We'll get into those. I, I think they are somewhere in here, aren't they? Uh, like, yeah, it's like a couple of things, but you can say that for once we get through the documentary. All right. All right. We'll get rolling here. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, next clip, and then I do want to play that. Uh, little, I wasn't going to, but I'm going to have to play it. So here we go. Let's start with this. The feud between the four of us and the road warriors. Flash. And the- oh, wait a minute. Wrong clip. Sorry about that. I meant to play. Let me back up here a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. Because I just really screwed that up. Wow. I'm way off, Anthony. I'm way off. So, just a little bit. 
Yeah, just a little bit. I was actually going to get uh, right now is where they're going to start talking about uh, Dusty when uh, they stuck the spike in Dusty's ah. eye. Yeah, you remember this where they uh, literally took the spike off of the uh, their shoulder pads and jammed it in Dusty's eye. The um, angle that got him fired from uh, TBS. Yep. yep. Now, I wasn't going to play the promo from Dusty. But, Anthony. It's Dusty, bro. It's Dusty. Man. You give me one second. Let me find it. I'm just a couple of seconds away from it. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and play it. I don't care. We're actually making good time. Like I said, we don't have a lawnmower just drove past my house. Anyway. Here we go. I'm breathing. You understand what I'm saying? You should have got it done. It's violence for the sake of violence. And now I will turn it around to my violence, my lightning bolt, my fire, my thunder. An eye for an eye. Dusty was the booker for the end. Of- God damn. Dude, over 30 years later, I was like, seriously, dude, I was pop. I was uh, like popping like crazy. I was like, damn, I need to see this match now. <laughs> I know, man. I want to see this match right now, dude. <laughs> like, seriously, dude, like, when's the last time I don't who, I don't care whose TV it is, what promotion it is. When's the last time you saw a promo that like got you like you felt literal goosebumps? Oh, man. Dusty could cut him. And, and see, once again, man, I love the yelling, the the screaming promos. God, we gotta, gotta, gotta go back just a little bit, just a little bit. You know what I mean? There, there, there. Some things can can work when you go back to basics. You know what I mean, Anthony? Um, now we get from here, from that little part there, from Dusty. They go to the uh, Road Warriors, and we're in WWF. We're actually in 1990 right now, and they talk a little bit about uh, Jim Hurd and. Um, from there, I got a clip real quick. So here we go. Let's run. Here we go. We're in the WWE. These guys were pretty well polished individuals, and they knew what it took to be successful, and they had a good run there. Very impressive to say the least. The debut of Legion of Doom here on Wrestling Challenge. Great. I, I would say look out all other guys. Well, they're a big, tough team. They're vicious. They're strong. They're quick. And obviously, they don't care. Look at their haircuts. It was a conscious effort on our part to say, hey, man, maybe we can come in there and we can help this company, we can help each other, and that's the only title we haven't won. Let's go in there and see what could happen, and if they think we're capable of carrying it and carrying the load, carrying the ball, we can do it. I think they became more entertaining in the WWE than they were in their previous territory. Oh, what a brush. I got that check in my pocket. Yeah, checks in my pocket. Uh-huh. It's a good one this week. <laughs> um, anyway, and, uh, since we're <laughs> I love the comedy stuff when uh, when when Hawk was out there talking about brushes. That was great shit. Great shit. Great shit. Now, uh, now Box, I have to put my Rain Man hat on for a second since we're at uh, 1990. Check's always clear. Go ahead, Anthony. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this was my because this was my introduction to the Road Warriors. Uh, so this would have been a couple months before they uh, left the NWA f- for good and went to the uh, WWF. Right. Um, so uh, WCW had a Clash of the Champions. I can ne- I'll never forget this one. Clash of the Champions 10, Texas Shootout. Okay. Uh, Uncle had a tape. So my first exposure to the Road Warriors was on his tape. They had a match with the Skyscrapers. Uh-huh. Uh, this would have been uh, 
the skyscrapers version point two, it would have it would have been uh, dangerous Danny Spivey and uh, a guy that went on to do jack shit in wrestling, me Mark Callis. You may or may not know who that is. Oh man, I th- yeah, I do. Go ahead. Whatever had whatever happened to that guy? I don't know. So I I, I, I really thought he had potential. I really did. I I I, I thought yeah, that kid yeah. was going to go somewhere, Anthony. Yeah, uh, he he was just <laughs> another redheaded ginger that thought he was going to do some things, but no. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. They were uh, building up a match for, uh, I guess it would have been a Wrestle War, something like that. So they uh, have a match that goes to a non-finish. And fucking Spivey beats the dog dog shit out of uh, both Road Warriors with a chair. Like, literally, he broke the chair. It was a steel phone chair. And he literally broke this thing to smithereens on the bodies of the Road Warriors. Some of the stiffest chair shots you will ever see. Jesus. And it's actually it's it's uh, still on YouTube, but I I still had the the live uh, I still had it on VHS like that wow. live recording of it. And my God, he laid that shit in wow. like you never. People talk about they accuse the Road Warriors of never selling. They sold this shit. <laughs> they were probably fucking actually hurt. That's why they sold that shit. Yeah, because uh, Spivey is one of those guys. He's like you, you hear different stories about this guy's tough, that guy. He's one of those tough guys that kind of fly under the radar. Right. But uh, he's he's a uh, he's a badass in his own right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Anthony, now we get into demolition a little bit. Now I've been vocal enough. I was never a demolition fan. I thought they were one hundred percent a ripoff. I thought they were awful. I didn't really like either guy. Um, but I also didn't realize until this DVD came out that they were all friends. Um didn't really matter i still don't like demolition and i thought they were a cheap ripoff but i'll always be a road warrior guy you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean and i, and I get that and, and it, look that's look i get what you're saying but this is where it's kind of like you know back then didn't put that kind of thought into it but knowing what i know now they really left a lot of fucking money on the table with uh road warriors and demolition as far as a feud yeah they were and- they were they really did because i look at it like this Yes, the demolition they did start off as an imitation of the Road Warriors because at the time Vince couldn't get the real thing, so he created his own version. But over time, demolition got over in their own right and they became their own thing. And when uh, Road Warriors finally come over, it's almost like, well, Vince was like, well, I got the real thing now. The hell with these guys. And he just literally kind of pushed them to the side. And I felt like that was kind of dirty. That was kind of slimy. Like, at the very least, get some mileage out of a legitimate feud. Because, like I said, for tag teams, that that was almost like the equivalent of uh, Hogan Flair during that time period. You're leaving money on the table out of spite, and I that that was kind of that, that's kind of slimy to me. No, I I definitely agree with you. And I mean, they even admitted on the video that this feud did not go as it should have, as planned, or any of it. So. And I, I think that might be in the clip I got right here. Um, but yeah, this is where we get a little bit of demolition and all that good stuff and clip, clip, clip. Here we go. So they're probably one of the most copied teams of all time. You had your demolitions come along. There was a lot of animosity when demolition was in WWE and the Road Warriors weren't. Do I feel that demolition copied the Road Warriors? No. 
I don't feel that at all. They can say they didn't, but I mean, I think it was obvious to everybody that they were copying or emulating the Road Warriors. Whenever anything is really successful, you're, you're going to have carbon copies, maybe not quite carbon copies, but definitely elements of what you do will be picked up by someone else. The talk in the profession was it was a Road Warrior ripoff. That's what drew the common interest, because here was the guys that were painted up like the Road Warriors, and here's the originals, and people wanted to see them clash, the clash of the Titans kind of deal, and everybody wanted to see us triumph. They've come here to the World Wrestling Federation with only one thing in mind, right? Yeah, to kick some people around. They want the gold currently around the waist of demolition. Now we're going to be able to to go in and face demolition, prove our point. Who's the who's the real road warriors? And now now we're now we're gonna prove a point. The Legion of Doom, or should we say, demolition imposters, spikes and paint all over face. Well, we're gonna kick the paint right off that face. You know we should be flattered, but we're not. You stinking demolition wannabes. Step on that bag. What you idiots don't know? There's three of us, and only two of you. I think the main difference between demolition and the road warriors were is that we were really. Two street kids that fought our way and made it in the wrestling business were. All right, let's stop there. Um, Barry Darzow, come on. Seriously, dude. No, I didn't think we were ripoff at all. Come on, man. Come on. Did you have your check in your pocket, too? Uh, well, this is pre-lawsuit. Remember that. Uh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. No, no. But, I mean, uh, but look, like I said, dude, like. I don't know, man. First, I, I I don't have an Emmy to shit on Demolition. For one, you got to give credit where it's due. They had badass theme music. No, no. And and by the way, those two uh, trying to wear the same outfits now, oh, they've got to stop that. Look, 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 I don't need to see an X and Smash wearing the uh, S&M gear in 2019 is a site that I don't need to see. Uh, but Go online. You'll see it and you will hate me for it. No, I, I'm good with. I'm good. You I'm sure? good on that. I mean, it's it's there, dude. I'm 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 good on that. You I mean, know, that, I, that... I, I I watch a I watch a clip from them in their prime when that shit fit better. All right, and was you, more appropriate. Would you rather look that up or watch Greek? All right, let me. Uh, all right, let me let me check my phone here. <laughs> Google search no, demolition. A, Anthony, don't worry. You know what? I won't put you through either one of them. <laughs> no, no, I won't no, put you through either one of them. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. If I ever no, do no. Grease, uh, I will. Do, I will do Grease solo. If I ever have to do Grease, I promise I will do it solo. I will. <laughs> I put it. To, I put it to you like this. I will do. An, I, I will do an episode of Grease with you. If you will uh, do a uh, review of one of the greatest of all time on this show, Bret Hart, we will we'll, we'll review the uh, Bret Hart documentary. <laughs> all, right, we'll, all right, we'll talk. We'll talk after the show. Um, this now we get Anthony into the Nasty Boys feud um, with uh, the Road Warriors and the Nasty Boys, um, and this would be their WWF. Don't get fooled that they're calling it WWE the whole time. It was WWF. Um, and uh, this was a little bit of this. And, of course, um, they don't, again, this is something they sort of just spend about a minute and 40 seconds on. And, I mean, yeah. this was their first title. And they and don't. I spend, got, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm just saying I, I don't know if it's because they hate the Nasty Boys or what, but they spent very little time on this on this first title run. Go ahead, Anthony. I'm sorry. No, no, I was going to say, like, this title win 
you know, to kind of like go back to a point that I made at the top of the show, solidified the Road Warriors as the undisputed greatest tag team of all time, in my opinion. Because by this point in time, they had com- they had completed the trifecta mm-hmm. of being the NWA, AWA, and now WWF cha- tag team champions at a time when those three titles meant something. When all three of those titles meant something, the Road Warriors held those titles. And literally, they, like I said, they were the Hulk Hogan of tag team wrestling. They could literally go anywhere in the country and main, and be a main event. They can go anywhere in the States and be a main event Absolutely. and sell a place out. They can go to Japan, sell a place out. Like, and to me, there's not too many tag. You could say, oh, the Rock and Roll Express, they were better workers. Could they sell out? A twenty seat thousand arena like the Road Warriors can? I don't think so. Like literally, like I, I don't think it cannot be understated. It cannot be overstated enough how much the Road Warriors drew money. Like these guys were a license to print money. Absolutely. And to, for the tag teams, you have not. I would say the. Can you think of a tag team off the top of your head that merchandise wise is comparable? The only tag team that I could think of off the top would be like the New Age Outlaws, but they were more of a package deal with DX. Right, Outlaws and DX, exactly. I could I could see them being up there with, but I don't think surpassing a Road Warriors. Dude, if, if, if there was Road Warriors merch back in the 80s, holy shit. I mean, th- and there was. You could get posters and shit like that back in the 80s, um, but I don't know if they kept track of that stuff or not. Because I'm, I'm, honestly, I know that because I had a fucking Rock and Roll Express poster in my bedroom. So you know, anyway. But um, yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> oh, don't, don't worry. Go, you don't want to go dig too deep when I want to. Oh, don't worry. I had plenty more, and most of, I, I had a I had a signed Paulina, the girl that was married to uh, the guy that just recently passed, the guy from the Cars, uh, the model. I had a signed picture of her up in my room poster. I had uh, another model. It was. Don't worry, man. I had plenty more in my room. Well, well, we we stay pretty much on track, but I gotta ask you this real quick since you brought up the since we've been talking about the Rock and Roll Express a little bit tonight. Okay, is it admirable or depressing for you that after all of these years, Robert? I mean, Ricky Morton, God bless him, is still holding on to that mullet. I love it. Hold on to it as long as it can. Um, now we get into their entrance here, and since uh, the wife's in here changing the baby, I'm going to go ahead and play this clip of them talking about their entrance. Here we go. Yo, what a rush! Yeah, I always remember that from their WWE days. When the music hit and the Road Warriors burst through those curtains the word that we use in the industry is the pop the crowd pops in other words they explode well listen to the explosion here brain you knew conclusively who was coming out when you heard that music it was almost perfect i mean the look the fireworks the music it was so intimidating you just couldn't help but be impressed by these guys if i'm not mistaken it was usually animal who would make the comment of did you hear the pop we got and that was kind of snickered at by the rest of us because obviously yeah we did hear the pop you got and when you get a pop like that nine times out of ten you ain't gotta tell nobody about it because it's it's unmistakable oh no all right i i i think once again they were trying to point out hawk's 
attitude and arrogance a little bit in, 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 in this clip. I'm not sure if you agree with me on that. Um, or, or you mean animal? Uh, well, it was Hawk that was that would always say that. They said he would come back. Did oh. you hear that pop we got? Oh, uh, eh. so like, let's, let me ask you this. Okay. Um, we obviously uh, we reviewed uh, self destruction of the Ultimate Warrior, mm-hmm. and this was during a time period where um that was during a time period where Warrior wasn't on the best terms with the company. Mm-hmm. Hulk, um, they established was a bit of a rebel, bit of a hothead. He had his issues with uh, different promoters. True. They get they get into some of the uh, heat that he had with Vince at different points. Even though even even though to his credit he did try to like um well I guess when he was of clear mind sound mind and body he would always reach out and try to make amends especially towards the end when he was uh trying to get everything right right but do you think that they were trying to throw in subtle little jabs at which once again once again it, it is kind of shitty to throw in jabs on somebody that can't jab back so i mean it's like yeah. I, I think with i think the difference here is they were subtle they were subtle with it because the guy did pass away and i i don't think at the end of the day i don't think the uh heat with warrior it wasn't it wasn't it didn't exist there with hulk so much it was like on a lower level but it's like they always find a way if they had any type of beef with you a lot, dead or alive they they find a way to get shots in <laughs> yeah they really do and yeah they, they did take a few subtle shots here at hawk um uh, a- animal didn't i don't think animal took one at all a- animal seems i gotta tell you and I'm, i mean animal doesn't seem like the same guy still today after hawk's gone i i really don't think he is i think hawk uh dying took a piece of him with him and i i wouldn't blame him man i mean think about these guys grew up together they went they were together from the time they were before eight years old i mean they grew up in chicago they went to you know minnesota together they were bouncing together they were wrestling together these guys were were basically brothers you know? And yeah, I mean, an animal, all due respect, I, I think it's becoming more and more apparent that, I mean, obviously, the Road Warriors as a package were fucking amazing, but Hawk was about 95 to 99.9% of why they were over. Like, he was like, I feel like he was like the spark of the team. Because cause you, if you notice in the 80s, you'll remember they tried to separate them at different points. And it was always uh, Hulk going for the title. He, he was Hulk was always getting the title shots against Flair. Right. And I feel like if had Hulk been able to keep his shit together, he could have been a single star. He had to, he had the in ring. He had put it to you like this: he had enough in ring ability to get by. And if he was in there with a good opponent, they could accentuate what he did well. Yep. The promo ability, like like I said, they weren't necessarily like oh that was clever. They, they weren't artistic uh, works of art. Like oh that was clever. But they got the, they they served their purpose and they were funny they were entertaining yep. they were engaging people got with them. Mm-hmm. But but he like he was a big component of what got that got that team over. No, I, 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 I agree. I, I mean let's I mean let's be honest like let's be honest like Animal served his purpose he added his portion to the team, but Hawk, Hawk was the heart and soul of the Road Warriors in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they, they said before Animal was kind of the glue of that team, but I think that was more in negotiating. I think Animal kept Hawk there longer than a few people wanted to, and that was insinuated a few times in the video. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, the problem was not with Animal, but I feel like I look right. at it like this. The uh Animal was almost like the babysitter. Yes. He basically he kept him in line on the road. Mm-hmm. That's basically what that that's basically what they said without saying it multiple times. That I, I think at one point, which we're actually coming up on in a couple minutes here, uh when they separated, when they split for a little time there, J- Jim Ross made it a point to say Hawk during those years that he was separated from animal, that wasn't good for him. Right. It, it's almost like he lost his conscience because left to his own devices, Hawk would run amok and, and God knows what it would be into. Whereas when he was with animal, he would still do his shit, but animal was able to keep him in line. And he even said that them reuniting was the best thing for Hawk because it not only added, uh, years to his career it added years to his life because exactly. at the rate at the rate hawk was going if they had a if they had a, if that split had a stay we might have lost hawk a lot sooner than we did exactly exactly um i i can't argue with any of that but uh let's go ahead and go with another clip anthony we're here at wrestlemania and let's go ahead and do this for whatever reason <laughs> or another my partner was not exactly totally on the up and up going to the ring and he drove the Harley too close next to mine. I could not get off next to the wall because I was too close to the barricade, so I had to get off on the opposite side of the bike that you're not supposed to get off of. And my right calf stuck to the muffler. <laughs> and my tights stuck to my calf. And I'm literally, was going, what's the matter with you? I said, nothing, nothing. <laughs> I said, look at my leg. And I had to do the whole match like that. All right. I thought you wanted to hear that funny story. Uh, now, Anthony, have yeah. you ever, 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 ever ridden a, uh, a motorcycle, a Harley? No, I have not. Really? Have you? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. I'm, I, I love motorcycles, actually. I grew up riding dirt bikes. And, uh, yeah, I have ridden Harleys. And, yeah, you're supposed to get off left side. If you do get off on that right side, that's what will happen. You will burn the shit out of your leg. Which and is basically what he just said happened. Exactly. And I have had that, uh, it, it's right on your calf. It's, it's right on the inside of your calf and it hurts so bad. I've so basically it. what he mentioned there was, uh, well, well, basically you can relate to that little story that animal just told oh, there, huh? Oh, yes, I can. Yes, I can. It is absolutely the, one of the most painful, painful things you can get. And I used to get them on dirt bikes. I had a Ugh. little, uh, I had a CR80, a little Honda CR80. And uh this thing, it was a nice little bike. I liked it, but I couldn't ride it in shorts. Anytime I rode it, no matter how careful I was, I'd fry my leg. So I don't think I've worn shorts in uh in almost 25 years. So <laughs> now now would you agree cuz uh this um little that clip you just played it was from uh I wanna say it was SummerSlam ninety two, Wembley Stadium. Eighty thousand. Yep. Now th- they basically make it a point of saying like this was the peak of the Road Warriors in the WWF. Do you think that was a fair statement, like in terms of like their yep. popularity, crowd reaction, the whole nine? And but I gotta say, the the uh, shoulder pads, they're more they're more they're more famous for the red ones, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the gold ones, the gold and black ones they were rocking here are fucking sweet. Yeah, definitely. I like these ones. They were almost like, uh, looked like they were damn near on fire. Um, but, uh, definitely cool. Um, and Anthony, they do get into, um, Hawk's drinking problems starting right here. We are sort of getting to the end of the video. 
Uh, the last few clips are going to go a lot faster than you guys think. So a lot darker. Yeah. A lot darker. This is going to get a little bit dark right now. We are, I'm going to go ahead and play this clip just a little more. Like I said, it does get into a little bit of, uh, and even they started talking about him now because when you hear, uh, animal say that, uh, you know, my tag team partner wasn't on the up and up going to the ring on the motorcycle, implying he had been drinking at least, um, or yeah. he, you know what? It, implying he was fucked up. He didn't imply he was drinking. He implied he was fucked up in one way or another. Let's put. Let's let's. Let, I don't, I don't want to put words in animal's mouth there. But uh, let's keep playing the clip and go from there. Any more popular on any one more night than they were that day in Wimbledon? We went. And we did the match, and after the match, Mike, being Mike, he just disappeared, and he ended up. You know, on some back street somewhere. It's not that he would sit there and wake up today and say, hey, okay, well, how can messed up can I get today? He never had that conscious thought, but he also, if somebody said, Yo, Mike, let's meet at the bar and have a couple belts or something, he would be willing to please and be a buddy and everything else, and one thing would lead to another. And if he was with the wrong guy, it would go a different path. There's your, your typical, you know, muscle relaxers, Vicodins, Perkodans, cocaine, everything, you know. Basically, you know, any type of new thing that will come about, guys will try it. Can it make it easier? Being a star, is it more prevalent? Is it easier to obtain drugs? Is it easier to get hooked on something? Yes, if you let it. It's not the business, it's you. It's one thing to sit down with your buddies and have a couple of beers. It's another thing to sit down with your buddies and drink a case. And then drive to another bar and drink another case. There's something wrong with that equation. So Hawk was known for his excesses. All right. You know, I want to bring something up, Anthony. They they talk about that, but then they'll talk about Andre doing it like it's a joke and it's funny. Oh, Andre could drink like, oh, like, like, like three cases in a night and be just fine. So as much as, well, you know, he's got a problem. Andre had a problem, too. I know on a little bit of a different story, Andre had a lot of pain, this and that, but he had a, he, I mean, I mean, his, um, the giantism disease that he had basically led to him having a drinking problem because he right. had to cope with a lot of pain. And as much as, as much as you want to make jokes and ha ha, Andre was an, he was an alcoholic. Big time. <laughs> Clearly. A big, big time. I mean, I mean, oh, he was, a, I get he was a big dude, so, it would take a it it would take a lot for him to get drunk, right. but just because he could drink a, a shit ton of alcohol and before he started to feel it, doesn't mean he didn't have a problem. Exactly. Um, but uh, obviously, to get back to here, this is obviously where we start getting into the drinking problem and drug problem. Um, let, let, you know what? Let's just say it, the substance abuse problem of Hawk. Um, and you know, usually when a guy has a problem like that. His body starts to deteriorate, and Hawk must have had it pretty, pretty under control at times to just look the way he did, you know. But I will tell you when they were sh when they're showing that clip at WrestleMania, and they're showing him standing on the ropes, um, you know, when he's standing on the uh, on the first rope with his arms in the air, he looks fucked up. Oh, you! Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, you mean the SummerSlam match? I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the oh, summer, yeah, yeah. The, the, the SummerSlam match. I'm sorry. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, when he looks exa- yeah, he almost looks like exhausted. Yeah, he, I, I get what you're saying. He looks kind of exhausted and almost like defeated. Right, and I think that's why they use that that picture because he did. He looked both. Um, and this is actually where uh, we'll keep continuing, and this is where we get to the next clip where he's actually uh, he leaves WWE. Here we go. Wrestled a match that was supposed to be a tag, and it was actually two against one against the Beverly Brothers. It was out of that match there that I got a double suplex put on me, and I landed the wrong way where I couldn't feel my legs. And finally, I felt the burn coming back, and I ended up hurting two or three discs. So that's when I took some time off, and Hawk took off and went to Japan by himself. When Hawk first left for Japan, I was really irritated with him. He wasn't just damaging the Road Warrior legacy and everything else, which was the least important at the time. He was damaging my family and, and my income and my support for my family, too. I wasn't so much against him doing it. I was against him going without asking me to go. Now, Anthony, I, I, I paused it real quick. I'm going to play a little more of it. Um, actually, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to uh, jump a little bit ahead. Um, can you, He seems really hurt more than irritated when he's saying this i don't know if you catch it i kind of do his body language and everything it seems more like he's hurt he was hurt when hawk decided to leave and try to uh go over to japan and do that um i understand he brought up the whole uh you know he was taking money off my table and this and that but it's and and, and just from what he says here you know it, it, i really feel like he was hurt that hawk would try to make it without him you know yeah uh, yeah it's all it's, it's almost like um your buddy and it, it goes beyond that i mean because they're not blood they're not blood relatives or anything like that but they grew up like brothers they got into the business at the same time they were fucking gym rats together they <laughs> they did the whole bit and it's like you almost feel like you're getting stabbed in the back here like like dude like as many times as i went to bed for you this is this is what this is how you repay me? Yes, exactly. That's exactly where I think what I think he he probably said it and they cut it out. But that's exactly where I think he's coming from. <laughs> like, 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 yeah, like, yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> we understand you're a little hurt, and we might be uh, uh we might be, we, we might be digging a little deep on you here. But the guy is dead, so yeah, we yeah. We, we, we don't we don't want to get accused of like uh, shitting on a dead man here. So yeah, right. we're gonna have to do some creative editing. Yeah, here. but I, I I think you're one hundred percent right there. I think it's exactly that's exactly where he's coming from. I think that's that he's just all the times I stood up, and I mean they even said he kept him in the business longer, and then he goes and does this. So yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of you know hurt. I'm sure there was irritation. I'm sure I mean, you know it, anytime there's there's hurt involved. It eventually turns to anger, so I'm sure. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah, but I mean, on the flip side, you know, I know you say uh, we can sit up here and say, well, you know, Animal kept him around longer than he probably would have been, because the, the, they always say like the issue was never with Animal; he was always a pros pro, and I always got the vibe from Animal that he was pretty. I mean, a clean living guy for the most part. He might have did his shit here and there, but it was it was never to the point of where you would see him stumbling around somewhere. Or like he's on like one of those dark alley, you know, one of those back alleys, you know, trying to score a hit. He wasn't one of those guys. He was able to keep his shit in line. Right. But I think we can both agree that as much as Animal might have kept Hawk around, there wouldn't have been too much of a use for Animal without Hawk. Like I said earlier. Right. Hawk was the heart and soul of the Road Warriors. Mm-hmm. And whereas Hawk, if the, if the shoe were on the other foot, Hawk would have a chance of making it solo. Animal, not so much. 
because it's almost like the things that made Hulk Hulk are also the things that led to his undoing. Right. Which is which is kind let's, of sad to say. Let's, but it's, it's, it's the truth. Could we say that Hawk would have been more, as a singles, more successful if he was still able to be in WWE around Animal, Animal, Animal still could have kept him in line? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. That's fair. I mean, just think about it. He was a big jacked up dude and he had, I mean, he had the look clearly. I mean, Vince would have, Vince would have creamed himself. He, he, look, <laughs> like, like seriously, like he, like the only thing apparently that held Hulk back in that company would have been his attitude. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, just like his reliability, they, they kept bringing up that towards the end here, reliability, yep. reliability. You know, you never knew, like, like when Hulk was on, when his head was in a game, couldn't you couldn't get asked for a sweeter guy yeah. but when he when he wasn't when he was uh prone to do his uh outside the ring activities you never knew what kind of hawk you were going to get you were either going right. to get him showing up to the shows fucked up on something to where you couldn't use him or he might not show up at all yeah and and, and at that point he becomes a liability because you can't advertise a guy that you don't know and that's and <laughs> and, and and the one thing for as much as Vince harps on, you know, for as much as Vince can be a piece of shit sometimes, the one thing he's adamant about is always giving people what he what what he advertises. So if he advertises Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior, you best believe you're going to get Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior. Mm-hmm. So you can't put the title, you can't put a guy in a main event that you can't trust. No, 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 no. I, I totally agree with that. Um, but I will say that the, the main takeaway from most of this video you get is these guys needed each other. Hawk needed Animal. Animal needed Hawk. They really did need each other In is what I gathered from this video, um, which is a great thing. But... Um, on that note, let's go ahead and keep going. Keep playing some clips. I got one another clip here loaded up. Here we go. Create their own version of the Road Warriors. And I think it was just lukewarm at best. Oh, this is where he was in Japan and trying to create the new Road Warriors. Here we go. It was good of him in his heart to take a kid who was at the bottom of the ladder and help build him to the top of the ladder. Kensuke Sasaki went from this immediately in Japan where Hawk was this to right here. Hawk made him into a superstar. I think the fans had mixed emotions. I think the Japanese fans liked it because they're helping out one of their own. The American fans, I think, they look down on it big time. There's a reason that Hawk and Animal, the Road Warriors, worked. Because of Hawk and Animal together. But when you took them away from each other, a lot of the magic left. People used to always ask me, you think Hawk and Animal will get back together? And they talked every day almost because they were like brothers. And yeah, I always thought they'd get back together. It took me about a year or two to get over it, though, before I really stopped being hot about it. But he and I had talked after about six months and everything else because he would get. All right. So there we go. Um, again, it, 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 it good to hear they were still talking during this time. Um, took a year or two for obviously, as Animal just said. But uh, they did finally, Anthony, reunite in uh, WCW four years later. Yeah. Um, I, remember, I, I remember this vividly, yeah. I actually do, too. And Booker T wasn't very happy about it, Anthony. Uh, th- they did come back. They wrestled Sting and Luger um, in WCW. 
But Booker T was not very happy about this. Yeah, um, he felt like he, he he said he wanted to do a uh, Harlem Heat and wrote Warriors feud. Yeah, yeah, he was a little bitter. And uh, of course, I love Booker T, so I decided to play it. I was a little ticked off when the Road Warriors did reunite, come back and challenge Sting and Luger because I thought at that time the Harlem Heat was the hottest tag team going and I always wanted to get in the ring with the Road Warriors and test our skills and see who was the best tag team. We were the only guys when WCW had their deal with Japan that WCW would go to Japan and we would be dressing with the Japanese guys because we were so close and over in Japan. So that kind of really ticked off WCW because they've had a contract going with New Japan. New Japan said, yeah, all other gaijin, which means all other Americans, but road warriors separate. That really made them mad. So when we approached Eric Bischoff, we said, hey, man, we want to have a separate contract with Japan, a separate contract with you guys to work. He said, yeah, okay, no problem. He goes, I will make you my second highest paid guys in WCW. One week, two weeks, three weeks, four months, two months. Never came true. He never did it. Okay, so there we go. So not only was Booker T pissed off, but Animal was saying WCW, the whole company was pissed off because they were over in Japan and all that stuff. Um, now, Anthony, would you expect anything less of Eric Bischoff to deny this? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> but like, but, but like, um, <laughs> in Eric, in Eric uh, Bischoff's defense, uh, and I, and I, and I, and, were you ready? Maybe, were but, you like ready for me to ask you that question or something? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I, I knew, I, I knew it. As soon as I watched this clip, I'm like, yeah. As soon as I watched, when I watched it earlier, like, yeah, like Box is going to bring this up. Oh, so, yeah, let, let me get myself prepared for it. <laughs> but I, but honestly, Bishop, if you look at it, Bishop gave an answer similar to what you would hear on this podcast. Yes. I don't recall, like, and like, and, and in his defense, he was in charge of WCW at the time. And he did go through a lot of contracts. True. And here, but here, and here's the thing. In his defense, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Uh oh. I, I think, um, I think animals. He was pissed off because I guess Bischoff had told him and Hulk that I'm going to make you guys my second highest pay ex in the company and give him separate contracts for New Japan <laughs> and for WCW. Yes, exactly. Go ahead. Yeah, but uh, let me see. This probably would have been before. Hall and Nash got there. So I'm assuming he would have been talking about Hogan. Right. But you got to figure, but then you rock the boat because you, you got Ric Flair over here. He's a top guy. You got legacy guys like uh, Arn Anderson and the uh, fuck who else would have been there? Think, think JJ, D- guys that had been around for Dusty was still there. Mm-hmm. Legacy, those legacy guys, they wouldn't have been too happy about it. And also, I don't know if you remember, you know what a favorite nation's contract is? Yeah. I, yes, I do. So basically, uh, this would have been a few months after because World Warriors, they didn't last too long in WCW during this time period. Right. Because I guess after uh, Bischoff reneged on the contract situation, they said, fuck it, we're going to be they split. So a couple of months later, Hall and Nash come in. And when they sign their contracts, and this is how smart they are, they had written into their contracts a favorite nations clause, meaning that basically anybody that you sign after us, you have to bump us up. So if you if you sign this X person over here for more money than you paid us initially, you there they automatically get a bump in pay. Right. Exactly. So uh, just imagine, just imagine <laughs> if you're Eric Bischoff during this time period, 
having to keep up with all of this shit. So I, so I think, I think you gotta kind of get a cut, cut the guy some slack because you gotta keep a lot of people happy. Yeah. Whether it's the Road Warriors, whether it's Hogan, whether it's Flair, whether it's Macho Man, like you, you can't just say, okay, the Road Warriors are going to come in after having a four year layoff, and they're automatically going to be bumped up to like Hogan level money. Right. You think a guy like Macho Man, a guy like Ric Flair is going to sit back and go like, yeah, okay, no problem. You're the Road <laughs> Warriors, and, and just like let that shit slide. So it, it, you gotta, you gotta cut the guy some slack. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess you do. Uh, and also Sky Genie, uh, check out Sky Genie's show, um, is, um, saying that they did reunite in 1995 in AWF, then once in New Japan. So, I mean, they did reunite a couple of times before this, but, um, this was their main television appearance. Once again, it was hard to watch New Japan even back then, um, especially without fucking, you know, internet. But, uh, let's go ahead and, of course, like I said, Eric Bischoff gives the usual answer. Let's go ahead and hear what Eric Bischoff had to say, Anthony. I'm not sure what Animal's talking about in terms of me offering him different types of contracts. People have a tendency to kind of recreate history to suit their own needs and goals at the time. So to be honest with you, I may have. I don't remember what the, the details were. It was quite a long time ago. And uh, their contract was one of probably 150 agreements that I've negotiated uh, over the last eight or nine years. So I honestly don't remember the specifics. Double talk, back talk, double talk, back talk, double talk, back talk. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, Bischoff gave the usual answer that you would expect. Um, and then from there, Anthony, mm -hmm. we get to basically 1998, where they actually come back to WWF. Um, because that, I want to, <laughs> what I'm just saying, the whole little contract thing made them, uh, leave WCW. They went back to WWF. And what were you going to say? Not said, actually, they came back and, uh, and this is this is where I say they actually probably did a little they did right by Hulk here because mm -hmm. if you remember they actually came back in ninety seven because uh, they did a they did a pop up on Raw mm -hmm. then they helped Ahmed Johnson in a feud with the Nation That's and then right. they kind of they they were a part of the uh, U S USA versus Canada feud in the summer and then they ended the year putting over the Outlaws and uh, they had a uh, I think it was yeah it was DX and the Outlaws that put them through the table shaved Hulk's mohawk and mm -hmm. they 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 that's what that's this is doing that this was right before this was during that time period where uh they were calling them old ld right old kind of like which which was bizarre because they weren't actually that old during that time period right the Nine, gimmick yeah. might have been uh long in the tooth but the guy's ages they weren't that old because hulk passed away when he's 46 Right. This was this would have been ninety seven, ninety eight. That means he wasn't that old. <laughs> yeah, and Sky Genie actually just said they skipped ninety seven. And yeah, you're right. They did. I actually forgot about that until you just said it. Um, but they did return in nineteen ninety eight as uh horrible, the horrible as a uh, LOD or Road Warriors two thousand. I don't know. It was horrible no matter what it was, no matter what you called it. Sunny looked good back then, but um, that was pretty much it. But um. Whatever happened to her boyfriend? She's she's with a guy, right? I we don't have to get into Sunny. Um, she, you know what? She was hot back then. Let's just leave it at that, Anthony. Um, <laughs> uh, the next clip I have though is Hawk uh, bringing back Paul Ellering. Uh, at least they thought they were bringing back Paul Ellering. Horrible, um, horrible, horrible. Absolutely disgusting. Disgusting how this went through. Um, he ends up bringing out, uh, DOA instead, uh, Skull and Eight Ball, I believe, were their names. 
Um, then they bring out Draws. And uh, he was added after Hawk failed a wellness test. And um, they didn't want him in the ring. So they actually brought Draws in to sort of replace him. And I'm going to go ahead and play the clip as soon as I get the right mouse. And one, two, three. Here we go. Some time ago, when we were too pumped in Chicago, there was a great man who came and saw success in us. He brought us into the wrestling world. He got us to win every title possible in wrestling. And now, once again reunited, Precious Paul Ellery, get out here. What? Precious Paul Ellery. We thought he was coming back to be our manager, totally 100%. I want to introduce you to my It was a tremendous challenge again to go back in 98 and work with another tag team opposite of Animal and Hog. All right. Ellering had his check in his pocket, too, um, obviously. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and we don't even have to play. We don't have to play the clip. Uh, but in summary, I like what uh, Hulk, I mean, Hulk, I like what Animal said about uh, Ellering. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm almost you know, not knowing what to say in promos and because he, he felt, he felt weird about tearing those guys down because it wasn't just a case of a gimmick for him. I don't think because he was their manager legit. He was, and I'll I'll go as far as to say he was their friend for a large chunk of time. Right. And all of a sudden had to cut promos, tearing them down after basically building them up all of those years. It had to feel kind of dip, kind of all for him. And I actually appreciate them keeping that little clip in the uh, in a documentary because they could have right. easily cut that out to spin it like, oh, it was a good thing. You know, yeah. they did the Road Warriors were past their prime and I was more than happy to do that because you because, you know, they could have easily did some, you know, slimy shit like that. Right. Because I don't know if you know when they do these documentaries, they interview these guys at different points for hours and hours mm-hmm. on end. Yep. And then they just they cut it up. And take out the uh, parts that fit the narrative or whatever story they're trying to tell. So, and literally, they they could interview a guy for four hours, but only use a thirty second clip of what he's of something he said. Right, just like the news does, and every other fucking thing does. Um, yeah. yeah, it's the same shit. Uh, Michael Andolini, Sunny was hot in the nineties, but now she's cloudy with a chance of STDs. Very good point taken, sir. Uh, I agree with that uh, statement, actually. Uh, she is cloudy with a more than a chance of STDs. You're definitely getting something. Anyway, um, Anthony, now we get to this uh, hawk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the storyline, the drinking storyline, the drunk storyline. I they try this. to defend it, and I, I, no, there's no justification for this, no, man. Like this, none. This, this is the part where I, you know. This is like the hard part of the uh, documentary for me because I get irritated and been out of shape about it every fucking time I see it. It was wrong. It was wrong when WCW did it with Scott Hall. Right. It, it's wrong. It's just as wrong here because you're taking a guy. I don't give a fuck if he was in a good place or not to where he felt comfortable doing it. You don't make light of a guy's addiction issues, especially a guy who could easily fall off the wagon at any goddamn point. So even if he's yes. at a point in his life where he's straight, he's clear-headed, he's focused, I can 
No, fuck that, man. I mean, because you're, you're you're taking advantage of a guy's situation. You're taking advantage of a guy's plight for profit. For right. profit. I mean, and it, there's no benefit from, okay, this guy's a fuck up in real life. You know, we know he has a drug problem, a drinking problem. Let's put it on T. Let's exploit it. And I, I just think that's wrong. It, it, it's just crass. Even by pro wrestling standards, yeah. I don't know how anybody involved could look back on this and say, yeah, that was a good idea. That was the best use of this guy. Right. Yeah. I, I, I can't argue with any of that. And I, uh, I completely agree. I think it's just wrong. I mean, literally, it, it, it's like they think that or they forget that anyone, once you're an alcoholic, once you're an addict, you relapse. You can relapse anytime, any day. It, it, it takes one little thing and you can relapse. And it's like they forget that. Like, oh, he's cured. No, you're never cured from alcoholism. You're never cured from addiction. It doesn't work that way. Trust me. I've had two family members die from heroin overdoses, and I know that you're never cured from it. Both of them had quote-unquote kicked it, and they really didn't. So trust me. I understand what that is like. So I, I really don't like this storyline. I hated it when it happened. I hated the whole well, the whole falling off the Titantron shit. But oh, having um, him be like like he was suicidal, basically. Yeah, it was, and and if you watch it and you really watch it, draws pushes him literally. Pushes it was him. obvious. <laughs> it was obvious. I think he was like, "You better push me because I ain't fucking falling." So anyway, let's go ahead and play this clip right here. This is a little bit of the drinking storyline. Um, here we go. That he was trying to make that heat subside with Vince, and so he was trying to make that go away. Hawk step up, said, "I'll do it." I said, you sure? I said, man, they're going to be opening up a lot of can of worms with you. And he says, yeah, I'll do it. Hawk needs help. He doesn't need to be here wrestling. He doesn't need to be here in the ring. He didn't even put on his wrestling. Nice tagging Kurgan. He doesn't even know whose partner he is. He doesn't even know what corner he's in. Ooh. It flew faster than hotcakes because everybody knew what he did. Oh, this was awful. Awful. Yeah. Just, I, I felt, yeah, yeah. And that was horse shit, man. Yeah. Like, I've defended Vince a lot on, on a lot of things, but when you hear that part about animals saying, well, Hawk, as a part of trying to make amends with Vince, he, he said, I'll, he stepped right up, said, I'll do it. Are you sure, pal? Yeah. I, you know, I, I could picture that conversation. Are you sure, pal? You know, you know, we don't want to open up a can of worms with you. You know, we, you know, you have some issues there, but it was almost like one of those, I get the sense that it was one of those wink, wink, nudge, nudge things. Where it's like, yeah, you don't have to do it, but it'd be a good idea if you would do it because we really want to do it. And I'm like, right. come on, man. Once again, you're taking advantage of a guy's situation because you want to get your jollies off, not only his expense, but you want to kind of rub it in like, oh, he needs me more than I need him. He gave me a problem way back when. So this is my way of exercising my revenge. This is my way of working out that, uh, that revenge kick you know what i mean just kind of like yeah. trying to stick it to a guy you felt like wronged you and like i don't know it's just wrong to me if you, if you want to like dick a guy around i prefer you just don't hire him <laughs> because that that's the best that's the best revenge don't right. pay the guy yeah exactly don't pay the guy but to, to but to bring a guy in and to humble a guy at the expense of once again his family because i'm pretty like i don't know if he has kids or anything but he has a wife he has parents and, and they, they had to deal with the shit of him, of his substance abuse issues. So I'm pretty sure they did. They probably had big time issues watching this guy on TV play drunk when they've seen him real drunk. 
Right. So, I mean, once again, the, 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 a lot of people are affected by shit like this. Not just the person that's actively in the angle, but that person's family. It's no different than it's the, it's the whole reason Aaron Anderson was pissed off at a uh, Bischoff and the NWO for uh, making basically <laughs> implying that he was an alcoholic. Mm. He he drank too much. I mean, as funny as the skit was, if you're not if you're Aaron Anderson and you might you might have had a drinking problem at one point in your life that your family might have been exposed to kids, wife, the whole bit. It's it's not a good look because I, I apparently, from what I remember, he actually had to hear about that at home. Right. And I think that's what a lot of these people don't really think about. To them, it's just wrestling and ha ha he he's. But you got to realize people have lives beyond what you see on TV. Exactly. Um, we get now to where Hawk did leave. Uh, he made some changes. He got sober. Uh, found Christianity. Um, which, you know, I, I got no problem with anyone doing that. If And believe it or not, when you're in AA, that's one of the steps is to turn your life over to God. So it sounds like, and they never said it, but it sounds like he started going to meetings, in my opinion. Um, so I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and play this clip, and we can go ahead and go on from there. Let me get some volume. I turned it down a minute ago. Here we go. Let's roll it. And himself, he was a Mike Hicks fan I met 20 years ago. The fans never, ever thought anything of it. They saw right through it all, and they always appreciated it and loved us and cheered for us. And proof of it was when we did Raw and SmackDown the last time. We wanted to have our last run and go out with a bang with Vince, our very last run. I knew there was probably a trust factor there with WWE, with Hawk. You gotta be true this time. He's gonna be straight. Is this really gonna be the real deal? I know before we came in to do Raw in Philadelphia, I know there was like six, seven, eight times he tried to call and talk to Vince. He just wanted to call and apologize and say, hey, I'm a new man. I did what I did. I wasn't thinking. That's why when we went and did Raw, Hawk wanted to prove that he was going to be a man about it and do the job right away. Once again, Anthony, he was trying to make amends. Yeah. Which is, again, that's another AA thing, make amends. Yep. So it's basically like hidden meanings and all that kind of shit. That they're trying to, they're trying to imply that towards the end, yeah, yeah, we said a lot of fucked up shit about the guy's personal habits here, but he was in the process of making things right. And I also want to point out that, uh, and I, I had no idea it was going to be the last time, but I, I was actually at the show that they had that, uh, Raw in for their final appearance because it was in Philly. Wow, really? Yep. And <laughs> I wasn't only, I, for some reason, I, Get the internet that day so when they came out it was like a shock to me nice. so i was legitimately surprised to hear that music dude and like literally the pop they got that night man it, it was cool to be a part of that that's awesome i that 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 is a cool thing that you were there um and from here we get to the end this is it this is my last clip this is the end of the video uh this is where we get to hawk's death and um let's go ahead and play it Oh, you know, uh, I got a call from Joe, you know, Joe called me up and, and, uh, said Mike had died. 
He goes, ah, I gotta go move some boxes out and help my wife. I'll, I'll call you back later. So the, he moved all the heavy stuff in and out of his house for his wife. And uh, it was like he knew he had to get it all done because there was no heavy stuff left to move that he was gonna go. For him to pass away, it was just, you know, it was really, like I said, numbing, but it was devastating too. And just really, you know, really hurt and really hit home. Hawk was one of those guys that you just didn't think would ever die. It was like he knew that he only had so much time to go and he wanted to go the right way and make sure everything was paid or whatever there for his wife and that's the way he Alright. I'm gonna leave it at that right there. Um it just gets a little worse from there. Um once again, it um it's always the story. Oh, he just cleaned up his life, he just got everything better, oh he just got sober. Um you know, and all those kind of, th oh, you know, oh, he, he I, I just made up with the guy. You always think there's time, you know, and just like Michael Hayes said, you, you Hawk was a guy you just didn't think was going to die. You never think anyone's going to die. You always think everyone's going to live forever. You know, it, it's just the way it is. And it's just not that way. But I mean, it's, this is those stories that you hear. Oh, he just did this. He just got sober. He just cleaned everything up. And then suddenly just passes away. But like you said, Anthony, earlier in the show, um, when you're doing all this stuff, your body eventually just says, fuck it. I can't take anymore. And I mean, he had been abusing, according to the video, a lot of drugs, alcohol, and for a very long time. Yeah, I put, I put it to you like this, Bob. You can't be a hardcore drug addict, alcoholic for 10, 15 years, get clean and be clean for like two to three years and not expect some shit to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's like the whole Eddie Guerrero thing. And, and, and that's, that's fucking depressing. I only bring that shit up because, you know, he just, you know, we're a few days removed from uh, what would have been his 52nd birthday. But that's another guy who abused drugs for a long fucking time. And he got himself right, but at the end of the day, he's his his heart couldn't take anymore. Because if you remember, Eddie Guerrero, if you remember what Eddie Guerrero looked like before he got shredded, right? He was kind of like he was in shape and wrestling shape, but he was like kind of pudgy, right? Kind of like you know he he looked like a regular dude, like pudgy, like like you know just like a regular type of guy, right? But then he had the uh, car accident mm -hmm. in WCW. He came and he just came back shredded. He came back looking like Triple H. Yeah, no, and then when he got to WWE, he got like bigger. <laughs> yes, like 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 the late like the late when he came back the second time, when he made his return from getting fired, he came back a whole different person. Oh yeah, like literally, like you look at you look at Eddie Guerrero in two thousand five versus mm -hmm. nineteen ninety five. It's like it's a totally different human being. He he even he didn't even wrestle the same stuff. I and mean, don't get me wrong, he was still great in the ring, mm -hmm. but he had put on so much muscle mass that he he wasn't as fluid that's the best way i could put it he moved a lot more stiffer than he did just two years before that yeah two three years prior yeah I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that he definitely and he started he started working a little more of a power move kind of guy instead of a high flyer um but um yeah i mean i i i think we delved into this uh video as much as we could um anthony we have that uh that little story that we were uh, we were sent, I think uh, Michael Andolini sent us that. Um, was it him or 
Was it? Yeah, him? it was him. It was him. All right, I still have that. I've got it loaded up. Why don't we go ahead and play it? It's Todd Gordon, um, telling a story of uh, Hawk and uh, ECW. So let's go ahead and play this. Here we go. You said that we had Hawk in a, in a one of the like semi main to say an arena show. He calls me up. I guess the day before. Deep voices. I, I gotta be honest with you, brother. I'm not gonna be there Saturday night. Hey, what are you talking about? We've been advertising this on TV for like the last four years. I ain't gonna lie to you. You never lied to me. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm on lockdown. Are you in jail? He says, no, lockdown. I'm just smoking the, the, the shit in the mountains in a cabin and I'm not coming out for a couple of days. Thank you for being honest. <laughs> like, but no, like, and on some level, he would never, he would just never show anybody else. He right. just told me like a couple of days later, yeah, I got something happened to play. But he didn't do that. He said, I, I respect for you. I'm not going to lie to you. Right. I'm getting fucked up, but I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to choose locking myself in a yeah. cabin and smoking crack. I'll tell you what. As opposed- All right. So, yeah, he said the story was a little dark. Um, wow. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm sitting here getting fucked up. I'm not going to be at your show. Um, not a good way to end the show, Anthony. Let's figure something else out to do. Uh, <laughs> um, Anthony's on mute, so I don't even know what to do at this point. That's, I'm here. I'm here. That's a pretty dark story right there. Um, yeah, I don't know if this is a better way to end the show, but I just uh, sent you a clip. Uh, have you ever heard about the story about uh, two Colt Scorpio and Hawk getting into a uh, little altercation? No. Where did you send that clip to? I uh, sent it to you on Facebook. Messenger? Yeah. Give me one sec. Let me load the old messenger up here. Yeah, basically, uh, Scorpio, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, Scorpio is uh, not one to be fucked with. Uh, and he basically, I'll let, I'll let him tell it because he, <laughs> he tells the story a hell of a lot better than I can. But uh, basically, uh, Hawk uh, dropped some, uh, <laughs> let's just say, uh, insensitive language when it came to one Mr. Scorpio. Uh, Scorpio didn't take kindly to it, and he uh, dropped him. All right. Well, I guess we'll hear that. Um, and Michael Andolini says that story went a little further, and I just didn't want to play it. It just got too dark and right there. Um, Hawk did make up for it. He did a, a, a kind of two-for-one. He decided he, he said he would do two shows and only charge him for one. So he did a little two-for there. So that's not bad. Um, and by the way, that was obviously on um, – Kayfabe Commentaries, and this is also another Kayfabe Commentaries clip that Anthony just sent me, which I'm pulling up right now. Uh, give me a few more seconds here. Is, is it right here at the beginning, Anthony? Uh, yeah, I didn't have time to play it, so your guess is as good as mine. But the question, he is asked about Hulk, so I did I did uh, check that part for sure. I think it might be this first question right here, then. Let's go ahead and... Yeah. Yeah, that's probably good because it's an 11-minute video. Um, all right, let's go ahead and back up here, give you some volume, and let's hit this motherfucker. Here we go. Chad Munns, in WCW Battle Bowl, the Lethal Lottery, you and Flair went to square off. Just before you two tied up, he said something to you that seemingly stunned you for a bit. And was this escalated further as to you saying, fuck Flair, which led to you and Hawk going at it? Nah... You know, at that given point in time, you're talking about idols and people like that that I've seen, that I grew up wrestling. 
Um, for me to even get in the ring with Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, any one of those guys of a namer with their statue, to me was a real pleasure. But at the same time, I was trained in Japan. I don't give a fuck what your name is. If you try to disrespect me, I got to hold my own. If you try to eat me up in the ring, which ain't going to happen, I'm going to fight back and hold my own. There at that given point in time, there was no problem with, with Flair and me at that given point in time. I'm going to say me with my hostility itself. Um, Ben at the time, uh, Badwell talking about WCW, me getting fired. Um, I think that had to do with me just personally. Um, Ric Flair being the boss, being in the kind of the office, kind of being mad, kind of need a way, you know, if we need to get rid of somebody, how we get rid of somebody? The quickest way to get rid of somebody is, okay, test them for the drugs. Mm. Okay, so at that given point in time, okay, you got plus for weed, they send you to a class. You go to the class, smoking weed, going to the goddamn class, take the test and bullshit, <laughs> pass the drug test class, smoke weed on your way, going goddamn back and shit, right? And then you realize that you got to take a piss test. So it's like, damn, now I got to stop smoking weed because I still got to take a piss test, but my level's lower than what it was. So, you know, so that's a good thing. But uh, I think what really happened is, is that time we were at Ric Flair had that beach over there. And uh, he had, you know, built that ghost gym down there in the Bahamas. And we all went over there and shit. And. I think at that given point in time is when I started kind of getting pissed off and mad is that that given point in time, we went over there, he took us over there and shit. He brought us all over there. It was a great time. Good deal with the new opening gym, hat match down and everything. But I fucked up and went out and partied and, you know, snorting up big cocaine and shit with the nasty boys and fucking Brian Pill, man. And, yeah, you know, I'm Buddy Lee Parker, all these motherfuckers at my goddamn room partying all goddamn night when I should have been in their motherfucking room partying. So now motherfuckers can't kick dirt up on me and shit, drinking, had a party. I ain't worried about the fucking nasty boys and shit because they cool like that. You know what I mean? Nasty boys, just nasty boys. They're going to do what the fuck they Okay, this is more ADD than this show. <laughs> All right, I don't even think I can listen to this anymore. This is this is more ADHD than the show you're listening to right now, folks. Um, hey, we stayed, holy hey, shit, we stayed on point tonight. Jesus, this is crazy. <laughs> but dude, like I don't know, man. Scorpio, like he's the he's he's comedy gold on a, a shit interview, bro. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, but Jesus, man, I can't I can't take this no more. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Man. I don't no. know. Hopefully, hopefully he was getting to the punchline soon. They gonna do if you in, you in. If they like you, you in. If they don't like you, your ass, ain't gonna be in. Right. So you know, I was in. So we was able to hang out and party. Brian, I don't know how the fuck that motherfucker ended up in my goddamn room partying and shit. Cause that was one motherfucker that I wasn't didn't couldn't trust as far as I could throw his ass. Really? Okay. You know what I mean? So, but nevertheless, Pillman was all there and shit. We was all partying. What my part was fucking up is Buddy Lee. You know, good guy, not really thinking about nothing. And then Brian Pillman, you got these motherfuckers still high as... All right, he's sitting there with a vape pen doing this shit. He's high as fuck. All right, Anthony, we're no more. No more. I can't do it. I can't do anymore, Anthony. He's higher than me right now. (laughs) That's... I'm, I'm fucking high. All right. I mean, I can't. Oh, wait. oh shit. Wait, hold We're on. Three minutes on. in, and I can't do anymore. If you could find where you want me to go, uh, it's fine. But Jesus Christ, man, this guy is driving me nuts. Hold it's... on. This might help us. I found a, a shorter clip of the same story. Hold on. 
getting late, man. Come on, we're at three hours here. Let me see. Hopefully that one works. Three minutes, seven seconds. Boom. Hold on. Here we go. It's popping up right now. Here we go. All right, here we go. Scorpio on his fight with Pac. There we go. There better not be a fucking ad. There's an ad. I'm going to fucking throw my mouth in. All right, there's no ad. Here we go. Now, did the incident with uh, Hawk happen on that tour? As a matter of fact, it did. Um, and it all regarded about pretty much everybody being stressed out, um, been out of gimmicks, uh, been, on, been out of Roy's, been out of the stuff that they used to have and stuff like that. I think that had a, a lot of tension and stuff to do with it. And then me, you know, just Scorpio and the mouth that I have sometimes and shit, you know, I mean, had a lot to do with the situation too at the time and stuff, you know, I mean, Ric Flair standing in the door doing the Ric Flair thing and Hawk looking at Ric Flair and Ric Flair looking around like he might be looking for somebody and Hawk says, you know, I think Ric Flair's looking for somebody. Maybe he's looking for me to, to go ride in the car with him again and me being as smart as I be, I said, F that pussy, let him ride by himself. And I guess he didn't hear the F part or the pussy part or whatever it was. And he asked me what I said. And I said it again. And next thing you know, shit, fight was on. Were you a little worried uh, getting in a skirmish like that in North Korea with your passport? I thought I was going to be thrown in goddamn jail and be locked over there. And everybody was going to be back over there in Japan. And my ass was still going to be in North Korea, stuck in a damn jail. And ain't done a damn thing I can do. Thank God it was on the bus, not in the streets, and it wasn't something that was more serious where, you know, one of us, you know, you know, was in the process of having to lose a limb or something like that and had to go to the hospital because then it probably would have been some kind of charges or something, you know, brought, it, brought upon me or something like that would have happened, you know, so. It was more of just a quick thing and when it was over, it was over. No, not necessarily. kind of lingered on for, for a few hours and a few days and stuff like that. And, by the time we got back to uh, Japan, it pretty much was all squashed and settled by that time and stuff. But uh, I was also forewarned by uh, Black Cat, Nicholson, rest in peace, that also told me at the given point in time, hey, look, bro, because I was uh, planning on doing some uh, some real devious type stuff, you know, that, you know, no man probably should be thinking of doing it in his right mind. And uh, like he said, you know, if you do that over here, bro, you know, you're, you're pretty much on your own. You know, you can you know, go ahead and kiss the states goodbye in your life. Um, if this oh. happens in Japan, well, you know, that's a different story. You know, I could probably get you out. I know enough people, <laughs> I could probably get you home. You know what I mean? It won't be the safest way, but I can get you home. Okay. Um, sounds like Scarborough is about to have his motherfucker hit. Or do it his damn self. Um, and by the way, the vape, vape pen right there in his pocket. He's high as a motherfucker again. Um, well, was he more? Was he? Do you think he was more coherent in take two? Uh, very, very little. <laughs> very little. A little more, but not that much. Um, oh, Jesus! Wow. Anyway, great story. Let's wrap this up, Anthony. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> we dug deep. We dug deep on this one. We did. I think we've said everything that could be said. On that note, let's go ahead and uh, get this shit done with. I'll go ahead and play some fucking music for y'all. Uh, here we go. Uh, of course, shout out to Wrestling Od Wrestling Overdose over there. 
check uh, Shaheen out over there also at Nuclear Heat Graphics, nuclearheatshop.com. Wrestling's. What? 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 Wrestling's high marks? Wrestling's high marks. That's right. I don't know if they're going to be as high as fucking two, two Cold Scorpio, but <laughs> they're they're high. I'll tell you that right now. I don't know, I don't know how high they are, but they, I, Scorpio's pretty fucking high as far as I'm concerned. Uh, shout out to Bobby Anthem and Bobby Blades over there at Inhuman Experience. And, of course, Bobby Anthem over there searching for his lost soul. Uh, check that out on the, on the Inhuman Experience feed, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, everywhere else like that. Eric, Doug, and Daniel over there on Unscripted Wrestling on the Philly Sports Passion feed. You can check them out everywhere podcasts are found. Uh, you can check out Wrestling Umbrella. Check out the Mark Report, Tuesday, 6.30 a.m. on YouTube. And you can check me and Anthony out here every other Saturday at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on this Mixler. And uh, don't forget, you guys can leave us a review on iTunes. You guys can please, go ahead and, uh, please leave us a review. Go ahead on. You can even go on Spreaker. Follow us on Spreaker. We're over there too. And uh, there you go. And of course, the WNC show Thursdays after wrestling shoot, uh, wrestling soup uh, with uh, Michael Andalini. I think he's over there. I don't know if he's over there, but whatever. He's asking us to plug it. So goddamn it, I will. And uh, there you go, folks. Appreciate everybody joining us, especially, like I said, we go late night. Appreciate everybody joining us late night. And uh, Anthony, appreciate you joining us. Of course. And there you go. We dug into this pretty deep. I don't think we can go any deeper. And uh, there you go. Ladies, gentlemen, good night. Thank you for joining us. Anthony, I'm going old school here. I'll go home and get your fucking shine box. Later. Peace. That's the way it is.